What's up, everybody? Chet Czar here, coming from the underground bunker of the Dark Art Society. Got a good episode for you today. Jason Height, the amazing sculptor. Been friends with him for a long time. Uh, started out like a normal interview, which is kind of what I thought it was going to be. I mean, we... We don't know each other that well. I've known him for a long time, but we've never, um, I don't know. We hung out once. He came over and I, we, I showed him some sculpting stuff and we were kind of just hanging out. But, um, so we never, you know, didn't get a, haven't had a lot of time. I, we didn't, we don't know each other that well, put it that way. Um, so I had no idea where this, that this interview was going to go where it did. And I'm very happy it did because these are my favorite interviews. When you start talking about the weird, the weird stuff, the magic and the supernatural and all that sort of business, he's got some great stories and, you know, we, we, we start off normal on this one, talking about sculpting and all that and it kind of takes a left turn pretty early on and, and stays there the rest of the way. So I thoroughly enjoyed that interview, so I hope you'll enjoy it too. If you're into that sort of thing, I definitely am. Uh, let's see. Art life update. Just, you know, I'm just hanging in. Uh, everything is kind of normal here, other than the fact that there's a lot of cars on my street because everybody's home during the day now. Uh, had a collector come by. I, I, I got derailed from my tool poster doodles for a few days because I had to finish a big frame commission putting these custom frames together um, for a collector and that was a trip because we had to do the whole masks the rubber gloves thing and met in this little uh, back room I have that's kind of disconnected from my house because we're not letting anybody in the house just to be safe. So that was interesting. It was kind of like the modern way to meet people nowadays, <laughs> wearing gloves and masks. Just strange, strange times. I'm still not freaking out yet, though. How about you all out there? Are you freaking out? I mentioned last week that I'm a an optimist, so I'm uh, trying to look at this optimistically or at least find the positive aspects of it because there are some positive aspects of it, such as the air is a lot cleaner in L.A., I'll tell you that much. Uh, the pollution maps over China are crazy, or they were. I haven't checked them lately, but a couple days ago, there, there was like no smog over China. So that's a good thing. Um, and, you know, this, I, I wonder if it's going to, if people are going to reevaluate their lives now. And uh, consider, consider how they're spending their lives, you know? Maybe, I don't know. It's a good time to take stock and, and, and think, you know? What if you did? What if you only had a year to live? What would you be doing with your life? 
Would you be doing something different? Then maybe it's time to think about doing something different. I don't know. I'm just thinking about things. Spewing out my thoughts that come into my head. I'm in no position to tell people how to live. I just follow my nose, follow my intuition, and try and make um, do with the situation I'm given. And crazy as it sounds, I try and have gratitude, even in the bad times. You know, they, they always say you should be grateful, you should have gratitude, which I agree. You should have gratitude for being alive, but you should have gratitude or try and have gratitude or try and feel gratitude even when times are terrible. I've said it before to myself when I was going through some of the most miserable times of my life, I was able to go, you know what? I still have gratitude. I'm grateful that I'm going through this as much as it sucks because I just believe that it all it's all good kind of you know um, on some level on some higher level you know it's easy to say when you're not dying or something or have some horrible disease or you're starving to death in another country, in some third world country. It's easy to say it's all good when you don't have to deal with that. So, but that's a deeper conversation, believe me. Um, anyway, enough of this. I'm just going to get on with the interview. Uh, I feel like I'm supposed to be saying something about this virus situation but I don't really have anything to say about it like I don't feel like I I I have anything to offer there really um cuz I don't know what's going on just like everybody else I just know that I'm not freaked out about it um so, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. So, I'm not going to, I guess I'm not going to talk about it. I could just talk about it, but, you know, what the fuck do I know? I know about art, though. So, let's talk about that. Uh, okay. Um, what, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. I was uh, doing the, the, these, met with this collector that was cool. Uh, got, got a bunch of stuff done. Now I'm going to get back to my tool poster doodles. Start. I started shipping all the, the tool t-shirts and I'm going to start shipping posters tomorrow and finishing the posters. As soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to go start doing doodles on posters. Um, that's been about it. Other than my back's killing me. It's this old injury I got when I went to a tattoo convention and I had to haul all these boxes of my crap up this really steep, long hill. And I just, you know, was hauling back and forth all of this equipment. 
And when I got back from the convention, I got up out of bed one day and had the worst pain probably in my life shooting down my back and I couldn't, what was it? I couldn't, I couldn't sit down. I had to either lay down or stand up. It was just excruciating. And I suffered with that for a bit. And then I finally went to the chiropractor and then that snapped everything back into place. And I felt better. And after maybe two or three visits, felt a hundred percent better. Um, but now I can't really go to the chiropractor because of the virus. So I'm just suffering. Hopefully it'll go away, but, uh, it comes back from time to time. I don't know what the deal is, but, um, it's fucked up. So I'm having trouble sitting in this chair right now, squirming around. Uh, that's, so that's basically it. That's what's been going on with me. Just still working. Same, same deal. Okay. New subscribers. There are no new subscribers to the Patreon this month. So, but if you want to be mentioned next month, if you want to get the podcast a day early, if you want to be able to join the secret Facebook group where all the guests of the podcast are and all the people that support the Patreon for a dollar a month are hanging out, talking about art, sharing their artwork, making connections, making plans for the dark art movement, you can go to patreon.com slash dark art society and join for a dollar a month and you can be a part of this whole thing in a more active way and keep help keep the podcast free for everybody else so there um i think i think is that all i think that's all yeah anyway let's get into the interview because it's so good jason height episode 156 Super good one. All right, enjoy, everybody. What's up, Jason? Hey, what's going on, Chad? Thank you for joining me. I'm interviewing you. That's what's going on. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time, coming on the podcast. Hopefully we can offer a little distraction to everybody if, to all the craziness going on right now. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Um, love the show. Love what you do. It's Thank uh, you. fun, man. Yeah, likewise. We, we've known each other for kind of a long time now, I think. Yeah. Right. How long um, has it been? I met you, uh, actually, the first conjoined. Wow, 10 years ago. So it's like 10 yeah, years ago. Yeah, so... Um, I actually, I think I Facebook messaged you and was like, hey, I want to be in your show. And you said, hey, I'm going to invite you in my show. You know, or you said something <laughs> yeah. invite me anyway. So I was like, cool. That's cool. Yeah, your then, stuff, I love your stuff. Thank you. Yeah. And then uh, I think we met at your show. I think that was the first time. Cool. And then you yeah. showed up, one time you showed up to one of the shows. Was that conjoined where you showed up dressed as Nosferatu? That was... Um, <laughs> That was, that was so freaky. It was actually, um, what's his name show? It was, uh, oh my gosh, Chris, Chris. Blasco show. It was, oh, it was right. the first curated show. It was the Halloween show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were wearing like a ghost costume, I think. 
You had like a you had like an old school like retro mask. I don't even remember. <laughs> it, it was a really fun night, and there was like coffins. It was a coffin there, and yeah, other dressed up. It was it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, you were <laughs> you looked really amazing, Nosferatu. <laughs> I was like, who is? I didn't even recognize you. It was freaky looking too. It was too, yeah, I like super totally, creepy. Like, big, my, my big big shave my head and yeah. put on aesthetic ears and wore <laughs> Do you have pictures of that anywhere? Yeah, yeah, I'll send you some. Oh yeah, we'll have to post that on Patreon. That's yeah, that looked so good. I I I, I think you were like getting ready in your car or something, and I was yeah, getting something out of my. And I was like, "Hey man, what's up?" And <laughs> I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" And I was like, "Do you know who I am?" And you were like, "Yeah, I know who you are." <laughs> <laughs> it took me a minute. At first, I didn't. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was really. Yeah, that was fun. It was great though. Um, so how, how, I mean, uh, I, how are, how are things is kind of a weird question right now, but, um, how are you holding up in this, in the, have you, have, have they locked your city down yet? No, they haven't. I live in, uh, I live in Lakewood, Ohio. Oh, right. And I moved here about a year and a half ago almost. And we love it here. Um, it's a pretty densely populated area. Is it? It's, it's a nice little kind of suburby city of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So it's like West Cleveland. And they haven't locked things down. And actually, it looks like like when I go out there, it looks like things are like pretty much business as usual. Wow. But I work from home and we homeschool. So I'm basically here all the time anyway. Yeah. That's how, um, it, is. That's how it is for us, too. It's like not really anything's change too much other than just you know being more careful about touching people or you know yeah shit like that but um they just put last night they just announced la's i think or all of california's kind of basically they're saying don't go don't go outside for a while so but it's it's interesting though because i lot people are like lots of people are taking walks because they were they said you know still go outside still do exercise it's more like not supposed to grouped together with people so it's like everybody's home all the cars are out but everything's very quiet and people are like jogging all kinds of people are jogging and walking their dogs and uh, yeah you know. i see that here too <laughs> but it's I like ride my bike yeah but it's like the populated areas where the stores are and stuff there's not a lot of traffic out it's interesting it's a trip people... yeah it's i haven't seen that yet here like i went out to the stores yesterday um, and there was actually a lot of people out. I was surprised because mm-hmm. I haven't been out of the house for a few days. And I was like, man, I was thinking it'd be a ghost town. But there right. was a lot of activity. Probably, so pro- I, probably will soon. <laughs> It'll probably be a yeah, ghost town eventually. It seriously, that's the thing that worries me. I think not enough people are taking it seriously. And yeah. Just, yeah, you know. definitely. They they are when, when the governor comes on and says, you know, you need to stay in the house. Then people go, oh, okay. Seems like. So. Yeah. Yeah, they'll do that eventually. Yeah, I'm sure they haven't officially shut us down as far as making people stay home, but they've asked everybody, you know, shelter in place, right? Yada yada yada. But yeah, it's been it's been a little tense. I've been edgy. <laughs> really? <laughs> I had like one yeah. day. I think it was the second day where I was kind of feeling stressed about it and kind of scared. And then I don't know what happened, but the next day I felt fine, and I haven't really been worried about it since. I'm not well, that's sure, great. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the meditation. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've actually been meditating more lately. Um, 
and that that has helped. I don't meditate. I don't think I would meditate as much as you do, but I I have. I also do moving meditation, like qigong. Oh yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, and that's that's like really helpful for me because I I, I can't just sit still. Uh-huh. I'm very twitched. I like to move around. Yeah. You can, you can sit still. You just don't like to sit still. Nobody likes yeah, to sit yeah. still for like an hour, but you have to force yourself. That's the whole meditation thing. Is that how long you meditate for an hour? Well, no, I, I, in fairness, I haven't gotten to an hour. I'm, I'm up to like 45 minutes. And, I can uh, do 20. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I was doing 20 for like three, the last two or three years. And I finally was like, okay, I can do 20. And I just kept pushing it five more minutes. Like every week I'd go f- up five minutes. And then yeah. I got up to about 40, 45 and then all this shit's happened. And now it's like kind of screwed my schedule up, but I'm, so I'm, I've been doing shorter ones just because, you know, having to rearrange things and go and get groceries and, you know, it's just been a little bit of uh, a s- small amount of upheaval, but, um, and you're st- still, you're still painting, right? Well, right now I'm doing these tool po- doodles on tool posters. So I haven't painted in weeks. Oh, okay. I, I got a bunch of tool posters from that I did designs for them. Yeah, those are awesome, by the way. Oh, thanks. And then they sent send you ones to sell yourself to your, oh, okay, to cool. your people as kind of as the majority of your payment. And then those have been doing really well. So now I'm like, you know, just doodling on the posters because I do these kind of elaborate doodles, customize each one. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm looking forward to getting back to painting. Once I get those yeah. done, hopefully after next week I'll be able to get back to painting. But yeah, it's I you know I've gone weeks without leaving the house, so <laughs> it's not that much different for me. Yeah, either, for me you know? it's not that much different either. It's just the news is what's freaking me out. Mm-hmm. It's that's I'm like I gotta stop. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the economy is the scariest part, I think, more scary than the virus, because, you know, even if you get the virus, chances are you're going to survive the virus, even if you get it, you know, it's like the, it's not like most of the people who get the virus die from it. It's not, it's like a percentage, a small percentage of people who who actually get it, die from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what what kind of shape are we going to be in in three months? I know. I know. As far as. Wise, like, uh, and plus all that you know what else is trippy is all these people who are not used to working from home you know there's probably oh, gonna, yeah. there's gonna <laughs> be people who really love it and 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 maybe at the end of this there's gonna be a lot of people that are like gonna say why can't we just work like this all the time which is probably a good thing if we were able to do it you know during the the virus why can't we do it now but there's probably a lot of people that are just gonna be going stir crazy and their their uh, partners are going to be they're going to be getting on each other's nerves, but it's like you know those of us who have been living this for years, it's like business as usual kind of. Yeah, yeah, it does. T- it took me a while to get used to it. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's hard to make yourself stay on a schedule, and you know, like I have to shower. I can't. Like I know people who work from home who basically are in their pajamas all day, and I'm like, how can you do that? Yeah, I think so- it's a. But I, I, a shower or just getting ready, you know, gets right. you kind of oh, yeah. into makes, your... It makes all the difference, you know, having like a routine and just, you know, getting ready in the morning for sure. I think maybe it's a in the beginning when people adjust, they go through the pajama phase or the working in your boxers <laughs> phase. 
Yeah, although I have to admit, I've been doing that lately because it's just weird getting up and. I know. I'm like, I'm like, I'm on my computer looking at the news immediately. You know. Right. What's going on? I know. I know. Uh, I know. But anyway, enough of that shit. I want to know about you. (laughs) (laughs) So you you uh, you moved from San Diego, right? Yeah, yeah. I lived in San Diego for twenty years. So before that, where where you where were you born? I was born in Ohio. Oh, oh, I get it. I moved back to where my roots are. Is this your hometown that you moved to, or is it nearby? No, I'm from Akron. Oh yeah, Devo. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm from Akron, and I we almost moved there, but I my my wife really liked Lakewood, so we decided, you know, let's let's try this out. That's cool, and we we like it. It's really cool. It's a cool town. Excellent. Um, so, so you so you so you uh, did you how how old were you when you moved out of Ohio? Um, I was twenty two, and I moved to Los Angeles. Okay, were you sculpting by then? Text. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was. Um, I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. And I did like I the whole makeup effects thing there. Yeah. Uh, that's really where I wanted to be for years. And then I moved to LA in 1998 with a bunch of bunch of my college friends. And I was like, wow, this, is, this isn't as cool as I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sucks. You know? <laughs> my buddy Neil Wynn, who I worked with, worked at spectral motion for a long time went to went to that school and uh, yeah moved out yeah actually i think i've talked to him before yeah he's from that area i think somewhere around there no my memory is terrible but i think i know him (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) you've probably seen him at the conventions or i might have went to i might have depending on when he went to, to the art institute he might have been in the same classes or whatever. Right. But I, yeah. I, How old are you? I'm 43. Yeah, he's around that age too. I think he's. You guys may have gone to school together. Okay, so yeah, we probably did. <laughs> what, uh, what? I what, did a lot of drugs back then. <laughs> <laughs> what What got you into effects in the first place? Like, how'd you were you, uh, were you into weird I, shit when you were a kid? And yeah, I was into weird crap growing up. Um, monsters. Um, I, I like drawing weird. My, my parents were always like, well, why can't you draw something nice? Uh, I'm sure you hear that. <laughs> I've heard that one. And many I was times. always into, I want to make monsters and, you know, I want to, I don't know, draw horrible things. I don't know why. It just <laughs> gravitated to. I think it was because I was really, really terrified of anything scary. There's mm-hmm. even sounds and music uh, as a, like three and four year old. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I was terrified of that stuff. And then once I started drawing it, it sort of changed my perspective on all that stuff. And then. Absolutely. And then now it's like, it's, it's therapy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, man. That's, that's basically my life story as well. Um, yeah. I, I found like I had older brothers and cousins and stuff. And I remember like being a little kid I've got a, a bunch of stories, but I remember doing uh, like them doing the Ouija board and putting on like a scary Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> record, Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> with ghosts, like they had ghost sounds on there and fucking terrifying me, terrifying me. But but I was fascinated with it, too. It was yeah, weird. Yeah, it was like I was weird. repelled and, and terrified, but I also like, I don't know, I like the thrill of it maybe or something or I don't know, instead of 
turning away from it, I turn towards it, and then, yeah, you start drawing it in order to gain a sense of control over it. Exactly. Yeah, so you're, you're, that's very similar to, yeah, to my whole deal with it. Yeah, and being, were you shy also? Like a shy oh, yeah. Kid? Yeah. Extremely introverted. Yep. Yeah, very shy kid. This is a common story. This is a common story with a lot of people. I've uh, if you listen to more episodes, yeah, I listen to a couple, and I'm like, oh wow, yeah, this sounds, yeah. I mean, like, I heard one of your interviews. that said you got a rapidograph set when you were mm-hmm, a kid. Mm-hmm. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it was, it was, it, I got so into to pen and ink for a while. I was. I thought I for years I wanted to do comic books. Yeah, yeah, me too. And and then over over time, I really got into movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that those were a huge influence on me. So then I'm like, oh, I should do effects. And what were the movies I, that that got you into it? Do you remember? Um, you know, I saw Aliens when I was ten. Mm-hmm. My my best friend's dad took us to the movie theater, and it was the like the first rated R movie I ever saw in the theater. Uh-huh. And it had a huge impact. And I had never seen Alien. Right. So it had a huge impact on me. Wow. Just that that movie, and then. The thing, you know, like oh, probably a lot of the same movies that you like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even the Blob, I love the Blob, and I know you worked on yeah. that. <laughs> that was one of the. I first, love that movie. The, the effects are amazing. Yeah, the effects are great in that movie. Yeah, that was one of the first things I ever worked on, or the first. And it still holds up. I mean, I, I, know. I, I watched it the other day. I showed it to my kids like a month or two ago, and my my eight year old loves that movie. <laughs> really. <laughs> There's like there's there's a, you know there's a few shots that show that sh- uh, show the age of of it you know the uh, visual effects it's it holds up pretty well except for that the main one that's really bad is the last shot of the hand where he's, do you remember that where he's holding the jar up yeah and yeah you know, yeah <laughs> that's a fake hand and the actor uh, and the actor is rear screen projected this is how old school it was oh wow so it was like a rear screen projection and then they put a hand up and the, and they had that the, I remember it was a rigid hand and it had a glass jar in it and then it had a radio it had a, a cable going up through the forearm and it controlled mm-hmm. the little yeah the know, little thing like, in there when it's thing. it's it's so funny to think that you know it so easily could have been a remote control thing and the guy holding it and not having to have that whole backdrop and compositing and all this crazy you know, stuff i but... is focused on that little thing in there yeah. so you're not like i don't <laughs> thinking that's a fake hand watch it now watch it if you next time you get a chance watch just that last shot yeah, it's I'll, pretty funny it. it's pretty funny um uh so okay you 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 started i mean dawn of the dead because i'm a older than you so i'm like 10 years yeah old. i like 40, i like the whole you're 42 uh, night of living dead dawn of the dead yeah, day of yeah. the dead like I love all those movies, yeah, all Dawn- the zombie movies. Return of the Living Dead. It was Dawn of the Dead and The Howling were the two for me. For you, okay. Yeah, those, and those I saw. Ones. Those I saw in the theater because I'm like ten. I think I'm ten years older than you. I'm fifty two. So I saw those in the theater, and they were like completely, you know, when I was too young because my stepdad was super cool. We used to go see horror movies and stuff. Yeah, and those are what got me into it. And as soon as I saw those, it was that plus a I had a, a subscription to Famous Monsters magazine. Okay, which was yeah, like, I had Fango. Yeah, yeah, and then I got Fango. Then I discovered Fango. Right, I mean, Famous Monsters I had probably when I was like seventy. Probably let me see, 
nine years old, I had my mom got me subscription to Famous Monsters, and then when I got you know maybe twelve years old, I saw Fangoria in a Seven Eleven, and I was like, "What is this magazine?" And then I got a yeah, subscription. Yeah, covers that. always got me on that. Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. What is that? Yeah, yeah. They were... <laughs> Still have a couple issues laying around. I do somewhere. too. I got a box of them somewhere. I need to go through them. They're pretty. Uh... Oh man, but I just used to look at all the pictures in there, and and they had the behind the scenes pictures of like shops and them building things and it just was so exciting and i just started trying to learn on my own reading books and so was that was that basically your your thing i mean how did you start teaching yourself or or did you teach yourself did you just go straight to college after that to learn um i got really lucky in high school i was in the welding vocation hmm. um and one and i think i i ended up doing a ton of welding welded sculpture um wow that's cool. our teacher was sick so we had like a substitute so we could basically do anything we wanted for <laughs> pretty much a year wow. and it says i mean at first we screwed off a lot we did some really bad stuff Time we <laughs> smoked out the whole school and shut the school down oh my god on <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so yeah i did a lot of welding sculpture and that was sort of the foundation of where i started really sculpting. i mean i was already drawing at the time Right, but then sculpture, the doing that welded sculpture stuff was like huge for me, and then that's how it led to I got, I got a scholarship to the art institute, uh, and then it just kind of built from that. And then you learned. Did you get all your? Did you learn kind of the your clay sculpting in the in the art institute? Kinda, that- yeah. Um, like I remember, my first rake was a butter knife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like Jerry, I, I remember it was Jerry. You know Jerry Gurgley. Yeah, you know that I know, guy. I know who he is. I don't. I don't know him personally. He was one of my. He was one of my teachers, and I remember him showing me that, or somebody. It was either him or, or I think it was him. Yeah. Uh, I never thought. Of yeah, that so that's it's a good one. Yeah, and I was really into Sculpey. Um, before I even went to the college, I started. I, I kind of discovered sculpting in high school mm. uh, when I tried to sculpt an alien, and then I used to sculpt. Um, I had a kneaded eraser. I had a bunch up, and I would always sculpt uh, things on my kneaded eraser, like hands or alien heads, <laughs> penises, or, you know, especially during Spanish class. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's great. So, okay, you, so you did have a little bit of a sculpting background or interest in sculpting, and um, so you were were you trained in effects, basically? Did you do the uh, effects program? Because it's like a, yeah, they have an effects me, program at that college, right? Yeah, they had an effects program at the time. I don't think the college exists anymore, or at least not that particular branch. Right. They, they were like one of the only only schools that taught that at the time, I think. Yeah, they were. It, it was, you know, and it, and a lot of people, there was a bad rap coming like from that school because some of the kids just didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember people saying, don't tell everybody you went to that school, blah, blah, blah. But you know, I thought, let me, me, was, yeah, yeah. I, I, let me interrupt you really quick. The be, this guy, I always talk about this guy, Mitch Devane, who's like the best sculptor in effects. He's, yeah, he just, about yeah he just retired recently. Yeah, he was amazing, brilliant, like t- way better than everybody else. He was just, especially when it comes to duplicating life, doing prosthetics that look absolutely 100% skin texture is perfect he started at the joe blasco's makeup school which was also had like kind of a crappy reputation for being kind of hacky and then he worked his first job he worked at john beekler's 
and you know John Beekler's shop did all kinds of goofy effects that weren't that great like ghoulies and all this stuff but so it doesn't matter you know if you're getting an education from somewhere it's like it's what you do with it and how you how you apply it to yourself so anyway i just wanted to interject there so yeah that's that yeah i totally agree because i mean there were kids that would hang out in the smoke room at the art institute Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much all for them doing but then there were kids like me and others that basically i loved it i mean it was it was like I could do anything I wanted. Oh, I didn't must have, have been to so much fake fun. it. It must have been oh, super was, fun, man. It was. It was a lot of, and I wasn't. I was living in Pittsburgh, so I was a couple hours from home. So I, I lived. You know, it was the first time I was away from home. And wow, a lot of great memories. Yeah. Um, and then right after that, you know, the dream of going to L.A. and then, you know, <laughs> sculpt, and then oh, I'm 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 casting bones, you know, in a mold for eight hours. <laughs> And then um, after about six, nine months of that, I ended up getting uh, like a call from a Halloween company in San Diego, and they were interested in some of my like they were they were looking to hire another sculptor. I'm like, oh my gosh, just a job where I could sculpt full time. Yeah. And I had to go through like a whole thing with them. I had to submit a sculpture to them and all that, and it went through a whole jury process. But anyway, they they picked me, and I got to work there. And I worked there for 13 years as a full-time sculptor at this place called Disguise. Wow. So it wasn't it wasn't in movies where I really learned sculpture. It was in Halloween. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's so fun. that's it, it, it's it's a so you never got did any uh, movie stuff. I did a little. Like I worked on a couple movies. I actually worked for I worked for Jerry McCluso at Soda Effects for oh, like. Right. A month. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he was—he's really my only person I really know and worked with there. Uh, I worked with, for a couple other places, but that was the one. I did some makeup stuff and some life casting, but I never got to go to set. It's—it's—it's it's, um, it, it's so funny though because I remember we we talked about this years ago. How, um, you know, I think that the Halloween industry is probably more fun than working in the movie industry. I mean, it's it's just because, you know, when you work, I don't know, it's probably six of one, half a dozen of another type situation. But I yeah, was always I'm, envious that you were working in the Halloween industry <laughs> because it seemed that, like that's, that's funny because I'm the other way. I'm envious that you were. <laughs> I know, I know, but but it's like there's, I suppose there's probably more resources in the film industry, so you could do things really badass, and they have to look amazing and perfect and re- super real. And yeah, you know. yeah, there's probably more pressure to do. Right, and there's budgets. Yeah, right. So it's yeah, it's but 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 I know that you know we uh, I t- Tony Gardner, the guy I worked for for ten years. He's he started a mask company. Actually, we started a mask company. He kind of financed it, and then me and uh, a few other people basically did it started it created it and sculpted the masks and for like three years and that was really fun it was so much fun just sculpting masks and stuff it wasn't fun when we started mass producing masks because we were doing all the stuff there it wasn't like we were getting it done in mexico or anything so okay it was total assembly line hire some kids yeah that's not fun out of high high school and training them you know these are like on summer summer vacation from high school to come in and work for cheap teaching them how to paint the same mask over and over that wasn't that fun but but uh making this stuff was great man yeah i mean i still have themes that I'm there in the, in the old building where I, I sculpted for 
10 years or whatever right with this with the guy it was like me and like five or six other guys in a room all day just sculpting and listening to music that sounds like effects or, man that sounds exactly like it was, makeup it was effects. i mean it was probably when i look back it was probably the best working time in my life mm-hmm. because it was so fun to just be a, be a be a kid all day and and play with clay and you know be silly yeah, yeah. No, it sounds. I, I, I think it was probably more like makeup effects than you realize. It was, you know. And the thing is, you go on set once. Some people love to go on set. I never really liked going on set. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's boring. It's you know, you it's really boring until it's your time, and you have to be quiet. You know, if you're on set super boring and and then when it's time to do your thing there's a lot of pressure and you have to like you have to be the kind of person that's like okay we can't we can't start shooting i have to touch you know i have to touch this makeup up and go in there and walk on the set in front of the crew do a touch up shit like that and it was based on you <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and i and i didn't like that i'm not that kind of person you know what i mean i'm way more like a behind the scenes i'd rather not be in that position yeah well my, my favorite place to be is in my headphones and in some clay or yeah. drawing that's that's where i'm most productive yeah you're gonna love the steve wang episode because we we went we went off talking about how much fun we had because I, I it really brought back a lot of memories for me because you know I, I i've spent so much time bashing the film industry but uh talking to him made me realize again i've realized this since i've been out a number of times, but it made me realize how much fun I had. Just basically what you're saying, you know, playing music, working around a bunch of artists you respect and like, and just sculpting yeah. monsters. It's really pretty damn fun. You can't really beat it as far as jobs go. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I pretty much had the same experience making monsters, rubber heads. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you have like a, a, a mold shop and stuff or were you guys kind of doing everything? Yeah, we did. We did the whole thing. It was. Uh, so you I did molds and castings and all that shit. Yeah, that's where I learned how to do sculpting, molding, casting, painting. You right. know, that's you know doing. You know, I think we would do probably a hundred or two two hundred items a year, and it ranged from masks to weapons wow. to new, costume accessories, chess pieces, new pieces like two hundred new pieces. Yeah, between between me and. Four other guys, five That's other a lot, guys. Sometimes man. people. That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. But I mean, some of it was like little stuff. Yeah, right. But all the things were, you know, huge. And when I look back at all those lines of things, you know, I can really see like the progression over the years. Because you know, I wasn't that great. Right. But you know, over time, you you kind of learn these things from other people. Yeah, for you sure. Know, instead of using a butter knife as a rake, I was, you know, I had. <laughs> yeah and uh, you were doing probably mostly wed clay sculptures i imagine yeah wed clay and the guy who ran my shop at the time uh the best time when we were there his name was paul palmieri and he he came from la he worked in la Mm. for a number of years so i you know i kind of learned like he taught me a bunch of stuff and he brought his his whole like, because he worked in a effect shop for I don't know how many years. I know that the I name sounds he, familiar. Yeah, like he knew, um, he knew, he knew Steve, and he knew Jordu and other people. Right. He even hired Jordu to do a couple things for us at the time. Oh, really? So yeah, he would show me yeah, stuff Jor- that he learned from like Miles Tevis or some other people. 
Right. So I would kind of get things that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jordu worked in the Halloween industry for a while too. I think. I think that's yeah. I, yeah, he, I think he's been on the show. So. We talked. He he got hired by that Ed Edmonds guy. The Distortions, Distortions Unlimited. Oh, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. I think that's Jordan right. is a character. We got to hang out with him a couple times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a character. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, he's hilarious. <laughs> he's a, he, he should have been an actor, comedian. Not that he should. He's a, such a great sculptor. That's not true to say he should have done that, but he could have been an actor. As yeah, well. yeah, he's he's a character. Totally. Total uh, character. He, yeah, but he's, he's an amazing sculptor. He's a great designer, sculptor. Um so yeah, that sounds like you know what it sounds like to me. It sounds like it the old days of effects, because oh, where you me? guys, yeah. yeah, where you guys were doing, which is the thing that you know, the old timers in the shop, we would always reminisce about the early days when it was like everybody did everything. Like you had to know everything. You had to know how to mold and cast. Yeah, you seamed stuff, you painted it, you you kind of yeah. started a thing and took it all the way through. That's what we did a lot of. We had to take it all the way through. Right. Some, we did have a caster um, mm. for a while. Scott Klein. Mm. Oh, man, that guy was a character. Um, but we, yeah, he, so he did some of that stuff. But mostly I had to yeah, I had to do all my own molds, all my own casting, all my own painting. It's it's very... But it was great. Yeah, no. Because now, now that I'm on my own, I can do all that stuff. Exactly. Myself. Well, plus it keeps things from getting too boring. You know, uh, yeah, because that's that's one thing that's kind of it's good in one way, but it's not so good in another. Um, when when we're in in like at Rick's Rick Baker's shop or Spectral Motion, it's like there's a mold department, there's a seaming department, there's a casting department, there's a sculpting department, there's a painting department, there's a mechanical department, and and you're like it's an assembly line kind of situation where you you know you do the sculpture and then you hand it off and then. And I heard he did that on purpose. What's so that? that? I heard that he did that on purpose so that people couldn't learn too much. <laughs> no. Rick's? No? Okay, all right. No, 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 no. It's like every shot. It's, it's just more efficient that way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it, when, Especially when you're working on, on a level where he's got, you know, 50 to 75 or I think 100 people working on a big show. Oh, wow. It's, it's like a It's like a business, you know. Um but I mean, he when he first started, all the American ex, uh, American Express, American World, American yeah, yeah. World stuff was uh, um, uh, all done with you know uh, six people or something, a crew of six people that kind of did everything. They ran the foam latex. They did everything. It wasn't like uh, okay from what, yeah. from what from what I've heard. So yeah, when you have a not, not a huge crew, everybody sort of the the more you know. You know, the the I think the more valuable you are mm-hmm. as, as, as an employee or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Because then you, you know, jump onto other things, you know. Yeah. I think when I got in on the blob, around the time of the blob, there, it was shops were, were just really starting to be more like that. You know, mid-80s shops were starting to be like having departments. Um, but... I think prior prior to that, or probably a big show like the thing, I'm sure was very compartmentalized or departmentalized. You know, I yeah, something big like that. But I don't know. 
I, I wish I worked on that, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I heard. Didn't what's his name go kind of nuts after that? I heard he was like sick. Yeah, uh, yeah. He apparently he they he went into the hospital for mental exhaustion. But if you you know, I I don't know this for a fact, but the rumor is when they say mental exhaustion, it usually means you're you know taking a lot of drugs and not sleeping. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> there was, I well, think there was me, so much that, to do. That, and... The Citizen Kane of of effects, like that movie, has like, the, in my opinion, the best physical effects ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nothing, in my opinion, yeah, nothing, there's... nothing comes close, especially for the time. There, there's something that come close, but that one has like the most and the the broadest range of cool shit happening. Yeah, yeah true, true. You know, one that I liked that doesn't get talked about that much. I I, I thought it was so great. Because all the monsters in it was, uh, what the hell's that movie? Was it Cabin Fever? It's the one where they where there's like, oh god, I'm completely You're going Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods with all the where it's like... got like a ton of monsters yeah, all yeah. like around. It's like I... a whole ceremony. Yeah, yeah that's a great. I... I thought that was such a great, fun movie, and I, I remember seeing that and going, man, I wish I got to work on that. <laughs> Cause that had wonder, so much... Yeah, because they had to make a lot of those monsters, and they kind of, like, they riffed off of, like, I remember seeing, like, Cenobite-like Clive yep. Barker in there, and... Yeah, and yeah they some had classic, a bunch of... classic kind of monsters, new versions of, yeah, of, like, the creature from the Black Lagoon, kind of, but it was, like, a mermaid monster type thing. Yeah, and... yeah, they, yeah, that was cool, and they were all in, like, cells... Yeah. Really <laughs> and the, the, most of that stuff looked physical. I think yeah. a lot of physical effects. I think it was. But yeah, I'm a hard. I love physical effects in movies. I'll, I'll like I'll watch a movie if it has physical effects. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If it's got cool physical effects, like there was a movie that came out recently that I really liked called The Void. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. And that they did a lot of physical. It was it's a low budget horror movie, but it's actually really well done oh yeah for sure yeah there was lots of cool stuff in that i, I didn't need, need to watch that one again that was the one with the weird cult yeah there's like a hospital cult, and... yeah like this weird triangle thing right. but yeah there's like a skinned guy at the end he doesn't have any skin right. it's like some kind of i don't know it's cool <laughs> yeah, i know hopefully they keep doing those keep making those kind of movies uh um, yeah I don't, I don't think they'll ever go away yeah i it's like us out there who like making this shit. <laughs> it's weird. I thought that that I thought that I really thought it was kind of over. Everyone in effects or most effects people, when Jurassic Park came around, thought like, "Oh, this is the end of effects," and um, because you know no one had ever seen anything like what Jurassic Park did with computers. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was so CG real. Dice. Yeah, but uh, and I, and I and it's and it did change things, and it did kind of caused the whole industry to kind of go downhill. But I'm surprised that I thought it was just going to get to where there's just no effects really anymore. Just like tiny little, maybe a few people doing it, but I'm surprised it's kind of kept going. It's still I mean, happening. I have friends that are still doing it and I still see some, you know, posts every once in a while. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I, you know, I know like the whole, um, what was it? Uh, dark crystal. Like, right. That's, basically one giant effect you know? i know i know <laughs> i know i i uh 
I got asked to work on that too, and I oh. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. You know, <laughs> it would have been fun, but I just it would have been fun. But like I see it, I'm like, oh man, you know. As I know Russ Lukage, and I saw he did some stuff for it. Mm. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Go Russ, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I worked with Russ a lot at uh, Spectral. Russ is really cool. Yeah, I went I went to school with him. He's oh, from really? Akron too. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know he's from Akron. We actually moved out to LA together. Wow. Oh, he's um, one of the people. <laughs> he's one he's of the one guys. Of the <laughs> 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 That's so funny. He made it. I, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm doing Halloween. No, he's great. He's a great guy. I should have him on the podcast. He's really funny. Yeah, you should. He's an amazing sculptor. He does great stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, wow. Uh, I didn't know he's from Akron. That's funny. Are you you Akron? Yeah, Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson's from, I thought he was from Florida. No, he's from Akron. No way. Wow. <laughs> Akron must be like a fucked up place because, you know, Devo, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Marilyn Manson, those are both weird in their own, really weird in their own way. If you I'm look sure at those, there are other people there. What's that? From there. To, yeah, I can't think of anybody else off, off the top of my head that's from there. Chrissy, but. isn't Chrissy Hind from The Pretenders? I don't even know. From the, the Oh, Pretenders? she she. I think she's yeah, yeah. She wrote that song about it. Oh, okay, yeah, Devo. Yeah, that's what that's what I was saying. It's like um, Devo. If I don't know if you've ever seen any of the, I'm everybody knows I'm a huge Devo fan, and if I don't know if you've ever seen any of their old stuff they did in Akron. Uh, no. Oh God, it's so fucked up. It's and great. And great, dark and weird and twisted. I mean, if you're not a Devo fan, you probably know them like as the Whippet band, but they're not. Yeah, that's what I know. I'm not yeah. a huge Devo. I like them and respect them, but I'm not like you, you a gotta, big fan. I'm gonna send you some links because <laughs> they're amazing. They're yeah, doing this stuff. I'll check it out. They're doing these, you know, these some of the first music videos ever um, in like '74, maybe '75, and they're and they're art films. Like they were. They were an art collective. They didn't even consider themselves a band. It was like they kind of became a band as part of this art project. It's just one mm-hmm. aspect of the art project because it was all, you know, the de-evolution. De- de- Humans are de-evolving. De- that was their whole concept, Devo. And, okay, okay. And so, it's, so it's all totally twisted and fucked up. And and uh, I just posted a video, uh, one of their old videos the other day, and I was just watching it. It's like... Man, Akron must be a weird place to inspire, you know. Devo's as dark as Marilyn Manson, but in like a in a different way. In a totally different way. Yeah. Super. Yeah. super. So it's well, like, what's up with the Akron? <laughs> it, it was a great place to grow up for me. I mean, it was playing outside as a kid, and I mean, I had a pretty good childhood. I mean, I had some messed up things happen to me. Yeah. Violence, that kind of thing, but for the most part, it was good. Well, like, um, they they talk about in the in the early seventies, it was like people coming home from Vietnam, and all the, all the they were like the rubber capital of the world. Yeah, yeah, it was. And all the My factories were shutting down yeah. in the seventies, so it became really depressed. That's what they they were saying. So they're kind of like living in this wasteland. These used, used to be really prosperous, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's how it's it's, it's got worse. Really? Then too. I bet. Yeah. I, years as I would, when I lived in California, I'd fly home and I'm like, 
oh, that place is now a strip club. Oh, that place is now, you know, a bar. Right. Just sort of went downhill and yeah, it's, I mean, it's not terrible there. Right. I mean, right. it's you not like get... it was when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I can't. I gotta. I'm gonna. <laughs> if you're not into Devo, there's so much amazing stuff. You have to. You're gonna. You're. It's. It's like you have to because it's. They came from your town. Yeah, and it's I'll, so I'll, good. I, it's. I, well, I, I've always respected them, so I would totally listen to it. it I, I, my musical stuff, like I used to be very focused on on what I'd listen to, mm-hmm. but now it's kind of opened up more. What, what were you into before? Uh, I was really into. First, it was super like heavy metal, and then then I got into industrial, which mm-hmm. I still love, and then then electronica. But now it's just kind of uh, anything, kind of. Well, Devo is very related to industrial and electronica too. So yeah, they were they were circuit bending and doing weird fucking their synthesizers up in like the early seventies, trying to make things all weird sounding and oh that's cool i love synthesizers yeah um, i've actually I've, I've recently got a couple because i, I oh, like, really I love so much. okay yeah. yeah no i'm into i'm totally into it too i got i got a a micro brute which is a cheap oh little, nice i know i know exactly what that is yeah yeah that was the first I, I when i was a kid i was so because of devo i was so into synthesizers that i saved up all my money and i've got i got the it was you know realistic the company that did stuff for radio shack or that was their no, brand but... radio shack had a brand which was realistic so they would produce their okay, own stuff yeah, that makes sense. they produced a synthesizer that was based on the mini moog their version of it the oh, real shit. yeah and i still have it it's fucked up and it needs to be kind of like cleaned up and all the pots replaced <laughs> but i just say up... yeah it does yeah. It, but it's you know some of it's like all <laughs> crackly sounding because it's all dusty yes. and yeah, there's probably dust in there. But um, yeah, so I, I've I've been into synthesizers since I've forever. So what what do you what oh, do you man. got? What two do you got? Um, well, I actually I have a, a Moog. I have a Moog, a grandmother. Do you know what that oh, is? Oh yeah, yeah. I want to get one of those so bad. Um, dude, it is a blast. It, yeah. it, it I can lose hours on that thing. Um, I got a, a grandmother, and then I got a DFAM. Which is like a, it's also a Moog. It's like a drum machine, but it's analog. Oh, cool. So, and it only has eight, what do you call it? It's, it's a C, an, eight, an eight step sequencer. Okay. So it basically it repeats eight steps, right. but dude, get some really fat, like, <laughs> like beats on that and then just totally tweak it out. And I thought if, if I was brave enough, I was actually going to try to do the podcast with you. And have all of that in front of me, and just tweak on it while we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, 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 that's a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> you play sounds, do accompaniment, just, just weird sounds. Because <laughs> I can, you can. I mean, I'm not really like, I don't know how to play the piano, uh, but I can make some cool shit with it. <laughs> yeah, is that is the the grandmother? Is it is that polyphonic or is it uh, like a monophonic? Is it's it all. Like, it's all. It's uh. It's only- it's a mono synth. Yeah, it's okay. all it's all analog, right? Um, so it's, yeah, it's one key at a time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's got like a, a really awesome sequencer, and the arpeggiator is really great. Yeah, so I love arpeggiators, and it, and it plays well with all the other. Like I also got a a, a, a Mother Thirty Two, which is another move. So I have three, technically three synthesizers. Wow. So when I get all those going, it's 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 a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, they're great. 
you're gonna you're gonna love Devo. You're just gonna love it. You're gonna love it. I'm telling you. It's it's Yeah, for me, like the whole like uh I'm really a huge nine inch nails fan. I love I love all that stuff and, yeah. and and I watched some 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 documentary, I Dream of Wires. You know about that yeah, one? Yeah, I've seen that. And they talk about the Moog and I'm like, Oh man, I gotta get this thing. Yeah. And um and I found out that uh what's his name? Um Stevie Wonder had mm. you know he also used to move. And I started listening to his music. I'm like, oh my god, he's a he's a genius. Oh, totally. Yeah, Stevie Wonder is amazing. Um, so yeah, so that's like just getting into that instrument has kind of broadened my horizons on. Oh, you know, there's a lot of great stuff there. I've oh, been missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah, absolutely, a lot of different styles of music. There's a great Mark Mothersbaugh, the the singer of Devo, talks about. He got one of the first production mini mugs. Um, wow and uh he says he he said he went to robert moog's place in upstate new york to pick it up and it was a big giant barn full of all these mini moogs stacked up like 10 feet high (laughs) pretty amazing pretty yeah it's for me it's dangerous when i look at that stuff because i'm like i I could buy another one of those i know i know that's why i got that micro brute because it was like Three hundred dollars or something. It was or two hundred something. It was really cheap, and I was like, I yeah, can't those, afford this. One of those. It's cool. It's 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 great, and plus it works. Um, when I have time, I I, I have Logic, um, the audio program. Yeah, yeah, hooked up so you can record. Yeah, and, and it works like the the keyboard basically works as a trigger for all the. The, oh, okay. You know the drums and everything on the uh, in the program, so you could just completely, you know, a- any synthesizer that module they have in the program, you can play on your your little keyboard. That's awesome. Do you have any um, like samples or like? Can you listen to anything you've made? Have you recorded anything? Oh, that well the um, the intro the song intro I did. Oh, you did that? Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Who does that? <laughs> That was that was me playing the bass and the guitar real time, but the drums are from Logic, and I played them on the, I programmed them through the key that that micro brute. Wow, that's awesome! I would I was suspecting it was something from like Tool or something. (laughs) (laughs) This guy, I actually, uh, I did it on. I started it on the iPad Pro, um, in GarageBand, and then I exported it to logic and and then this and then i kind of re-recorded the bass and drums or bass and guitar and then the guy who used to do the audio engineering for this show brian kilgore took it and like made it sound so good i don't know what he did he like <laughs> he's a, he that's his job though that's what he does yeah and it sound it made it sound like a professional recording it's kind of amazing that's that's cool yeah have you ever messed with garage band or any of these recording programs yeah i have um, I actually, when I was in uh, San Diego, like when I first moved there in the early 2000s, I took a music recording class. Oh. So I learned like how to do, how to use a mixer and we did a little bit of garage band, but, and took some music theory and all that. Like for a while, I'm like, I, I could do this, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> like, but it came down to, I like to, I like to draw, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's what I, I mean. I was trying to be. I was trying to make it in a band for like 10 years, like seriously trying to make it. And then 
you wow. know, it's just hard to keep a band together. And the, and the, the last time the, you know, it was like you'd lose a member and then you'd have to get a new person. And, it, and then by the time it all completely, like everybody quit or it kind of fell apart. And I was just like, okay, I got to give up on this dream. It's been 10 years and I haven't, it's just not, mm-hmm. not working. I mean, the band was good and it got to a place where I thought the music was really good, but it just, it wasn't clicking for whatever reason with people, Yeah, you know? And so, but it was like the best thing that ever happened to me because I, I, I completely, I don't know, like denied this whole fine art idea that, you know, yeah. when I, when I the, the earliest memory I have is, is that I was a painter and the, like the first grade, I used to think about it. Wow. Yeah, like I, I just knew I was an artist, and I used to imagine <laughs> me being a painter, like, you know, yeah. all dressed like in a white smock and everything. <laughs> in an easel, like, you know, typical. And uh, But I got so – I got into makeup effects and got kind of sidetracked into makeup effects, and I was completely obsessed with that. And then I got into punk music when I was around 17, and then I started playing guitar, and I got really – then uh, – 1920 early 20s i was like makeup effects was my job and then the music was sort of the extra thing i was trying to get happening and i got totally into music and and the band and songwriting and um so it's kind of the form of art you know it's just yeah yeah and it's just basically. like the, the idea of like being a fine artist though was just not on my radar that whole time at all until i until i basically lot you know gave up on the dream of music and realized that i wanted to get out of effects and, <laughs> and i was like okay maybe i'll be a painter i can do that i think and then you know then i fell in love with that yeah well i mean your stuff's amazing i mean it's it's always like exciting to see i appreciate it new stuff that you've done or yeah it's, it's always really cool thanks same with you i got one of your pieces on, on my wall i've got more than one of your pieces but i got that one creepy oh, silver oh, one oh, hanging up wait What's it called? No, no, yeah, behind the veil. Yeah, behind the veil. <laughs> That's a yeah. great piece, man. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun piece. That actually, it's funny. Like that piece started out as a totally different piece. Um, and I actually have two versions of it. Oh, really? There's a female version. Oh wow. Um, that I sculpted first, and what I did is I I. I I, I put the skull in. I put a real skull inside, not a real skull, but a cast of a real skull inside. Mm-hmm. And then I sculpted the female on top of it. And I'm like, oh, cool. I didn't know and, that. And I, I took all the clay away and then sculpted the underside. And the, the finished piece was supposed to be both of them together and like the female would be clear that, and then cast oh, wow. teeth would be so you could see everything. But I never made it that far. Yeah, that's a lot. That's that's a tall order. <laughs> yeah, I have the molds and all. I could make it still. I'm just, eh, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I get bored, so I had to move on. <laughs> that's such a great. It's an amazing piece. That'd be a good piece for your, for the little promo card. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that piece has got a weird history too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember. If you want to talk about it, you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this would be the place to talk about it. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, yeah, I decided it was – that piece was made for Conjoined. Right. That was my intention was I wanted to do it for Conjoined. And right. then um, 
I don't know. I think about two months before the show, I was like, I contacted Grant Standard. And I'm like, hey, could you make this into bronze for me? Or actually, I asked for stainless steel. Mm-hmm. And he said he couldn't do it in the time frame, but he could do it in the time frame in bronze. So, you know, I sent, I had the molds. So I sent him a wax casting, blah, blah, blah. So he made the piece. It looks amazing. I still have the bronze. Mm. Um, and then it went to the show and, and Gary was like, dude, this thing weighs a hundred pounds. I can't hang this on the wall. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot. So it sat on the floor. And I remember Velasco, Chris Velasco gave me so much shit over that. Like he was like, this is funny. It's on a, it was on a trash can lid. <laughs> like for that show. And I was just like, oh my God, I spent so much money to have a big bronze. <laughs> oh man. Sorry about Sorry. that. I remember, uh, yeah, he couldn't get it. He he was like, I remember he was trying to hang it and he couldn't get it. He yeah, couldn't I'm get it to hang. Five pounds and it's it, it's hard for me to hang. It's hard to even lift. Yeah. <laughs> so I should have just sent a freaking resin copy painted look. Right. <laughs> but, and I would have saved myself a ton of money and I might have actually sold the piece. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so after the show, we bring the bron- I bring the bronze home. And then I started having these really strange dreams of people in my house. And then strange things started happening. Really? People in your house? Yeah, like people like people in my bed that oh, I didn't. Wow. Um, and then and then one night my at the time my youngest son was two. Uh-huh. And they kept having nightmares and stuff. And then one night I felt something hit me in the chest, like actually like punch me in the chest, not hard, but just like a, like that, you know, just kind of like a pop in the chest. Were you in the, like the, the hypnagogic half asleep state or were you awake, like fully awake? I was, I just had my eyes closed. I wasn't, I was awake, but I was trying to go to sleep. I wasn't in between. I was, and it wasn't, there was nobody else awake around me. So something my wife told me that she used to see, she used to feel people touching her uh-huh. while she was sleeping. Um, and then it started getting to the point where she, my wife, while I was at work, was starting to have stomach pains and all this other weird stuff started happening. And then it would stop when she'd leave the house. Whoa. And then my kids reported them like somebody grabbing their feet when they were sleeping. Holy shit. And they were pretty young, and I don't think they were making I, I mean, we talked about that. I remember when this was going on, you were telling me about it, but you didn't go into this much detail. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It got weird. And uh, we were freaking out, and then um, we had some people over, because I have a friend who's a psychic. Uh, you know, she does, like, tarot card readings and does Reiki and all that. She's really amazing. Um, and she she hooked us up with some people that came over, and they basically went through our house and they just, they basically fixated on that sculpture because I had the bronze on my wall. And they were like, this is the piece. Whoa. That something was coming through the skull. I don't know. I, it was weird. Wow. <laughs> That's kind and, of. And uh, they were like, you, and they asked, they were like, you need to have anything that comes into your house that's bronze needs to be blessed before it enters your home. Huh. So huh. I took the bronze out of my house. I took it to a friend's house. I and he was my one of my friends. Scott was like, "Hey, I'll take it. I'm not afraid of your freaking sculpture." Right. So I took right. it to his house. It sat in a box for months, and then eventually I brought it back home. And I, I basically wrote stuff like what it, what my intentions were for that sculpture. I think I told you this. Mm. 
I wrote like it's a protective thing, blah blah blah, and then I burned that and I rubbed the ashes all over it. it sounds this it sounds crazy. No, I mean this is. I, I'm, so, I'm so you know no to me it doesn't sound crazy because I've been studying magic for the last couple of years so uh, like ceremonial magic and stuff so it's yeah, like yeah, okay, that's yeah. that's fully a magical ritual you know whether whether you you knew what you were doing or not you know put it, writing your intention down burning it you know rubbing the ashes this is completely in line with magical oh, okay ceremonial practice. yeah it was all about yeah like what your intentions were on the yeah. It's, then, it's crazy that you would kind of instinct. Did, did you know what you were doing or were you just kind of going by your intuition or did, did someone uh, tell they, you to do that? that? I need to do something to like put my intention on it. And then I just, I came up with write it down, burn it, that's, that's, the ashes on it. It's interesting though. Don't you, <laughs> don't you think though? That's, 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 it's, it's so close to, you know, it's, it's like basically it's sigil magic in a way. When you do sigil magic, you, write your intention down the the only step that's missing is you um you you take the letters cr- get rid of the consonants get rid of repeating letters and then you turn it into a symbol which is a sigil okay yeah okay and then uh-huh. you then you kind of concentrate on it and um the, the the theory is that your subconscious is what does all the magic and the the your subconscious sees the the sigil Mm-hmm. And even though you, you're not looking at the words, you know, your subconscious knows what the sigil represents, what the words mm-hmm. are, so it's able to access your subconscious more easily. And uh, and then you burn the paper that you you know that's a common oh, wow. way, yeah, is is burning the paper when you're done. So it's just okay. interesting that you would tune into that kind of naturally. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so okay. Then like. I pay attention when I make something mm-hmm. because when I made that piece, the whole time I was making it, I was thinking of things beyond the veil of our existence in the spirit realm and all that kind of stuff. And you used a human skull. And I used a real human skull and that somehow manifested in its own weird way into into my life That's in so a negative crazy. way. But then I turned it into something positive. Right. So... And now it just sits in front. It's it's like the first thing people see when they come in my house. It's basically our my protector. You know wow. what I mean? Like to keep negative energies out or yeah. whatever you want to call that. That's crazy, man. That's that's pretty amazing. And and so after that, the the weird stuff stopped happening. It all it all stopped. Whoa. Yeah. None of that happened. <laughs> right now, my now and I've sculpted a few guardians. What I call guardian sculptures. Uh huh. But I keep around the house, you know, of things that I put the intention on. That, you know, they're good luck things or whatever. Right. It's it's kind of woo woo sounding to me, and the logical part of me is like, this is crazy. But then there's a the the intuition in me is like, no, this is this is right. It's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you know, the shit's real. The stuff is real. I, I was uh, part of this this class I'm taking that he does this, this guy's teaching it does like a, a video conference with all of his students once a month or so, or once every couple of weeks. And I remember around a certain time that someone got in contact with me and it was a weird message on, on uh, Facebook. It was, it was strange. It was just the way it was worded felt funny to me. It just seemed weird. And he's like, I got this, 
I, this witch is going to do this ceremony and for me. And I paid her a lot of money and she's going to use the blood of a goat or a lamb or something. Whoa. And, and she's going to conjure Lucifer, which is, you know, uh, he, I think the, the spirit of Lucifer. And I want you to, I was wondering if I could, you know, hire you to paint this. And I was yeah. like, one hand, I was kind of like, you know, I could use the money. And then the other hand, I was like, this sounds kind of feels a little dangerous to me. And so I, I, I asked him, I was like, can you kind of bring negative energies? Do you, what, what do you think about, I asked him, what do you think about this? This is the situation. And I was like, can you, do you think it's, uh, you can kind of attach yourself to certain energies by painting something like this based on what this guy is doing, whatever they're doing, who knows what the fuck they're doing. And he yeah, was yeah. like, absolutely. <laughs> he was like, absolutely. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't recommend doing it. And so I turned the guy down. Cause it was like, it just felt yeah, that, funny. That sounds too negative. Like, you don't <laughs> bring that, that, that kind of vibration into your, exactly into your life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just the idea though, that, you know, set aside, logic but the idea that artists can create kind of portals yes. for things to come through is that. really interesting and it's especially interesting for people who do monster stuff because i know for me i've never i don't feel that i've ever created anything for uh, any kind of negativity to come through mm. and mm. I don't know why that, even though some of the stuff I do is, you know, kind of horrible looking, but I feel like maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the intention behind it or something. I don't like, I don't, I don't know why yours would do that though. It's almost like you, it's almost like you were, because I mean, you could, you can, it's just art and magic are very similar creating artwork is very similar to doing a magical working or something. It really is. It's very, it's like a ritualized way, create creation of something and magic yeah. is basically creating a ritual to create and manifest something in your life, you know? Exactly. Well, there was another part of that story. So apparently during the whole, like when, when Grant was making that piece, there was weird stuff going on in his life that I don't know about. Oh, Wow. And I remember oh, yeah. hearing this. Um, I think I heard some of it through you. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay, right. He yeah. was doing a ton, a ton of smudging. You know what that is, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Letting uh, sage he, and he, all that kind of stuff. He had a, a weird thing happen to him. I don't want to – it's personal for him, so I don't want to get too far into it. But, yeah, yeah. But for the Ego Death show, he had kind of like a – kind of a, 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 a weird uh, the weirdness started at the ego death show which is my big show yeah and this was around the same time right and that's when the piece was made and so i don't know wow. <laughs> wow what a trip man because <laughs> i got advice from him on like what to, like because i told him what was happening he was like oh man i'm sorry you know i had this weird stuff happening to me you know and he recommended some people <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what the heck, man? I'm, <laughs> I'm never bronzing anything ever again. You know? 
Yeah, it's a trip, man. I don't, it's 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 weird. It's weird. It's the thing, you know. It, it's just it's 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 weird. I don't know what to say about it because it's like, you know, I'm as logical as the next guy. I'm I'm a science guy. I think science is awesome and amazing. And but there there's just things that are not explainable. Not yeah. everything can be explained. That's all there is to it. Anybody that doesn't believe that, go and fucking do one ritual to the letter. There are many simple rituals you could do and see what happens because it'll fucking happen if you follow the thing. There's, it's been, you know, <laughs> you, I mean, if you want to see if it's real, there are many very simple ways of doing things. And it's like, you know, I've been doing that stuff uh, like um, since I was a kid because my mom taught me how to do it when I was like oh, 10 wow. years old. Yeah, how to manifest things. It's more, it was more the new agey version, like the secret. Yeah. yeah. More like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, love and light type stuff, but but all that stuff, you know, the secret is totally based on hermeticism and and, and occultism for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really interested in, in that kind of stuff. It is a it, from a from an artistic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's always like I'm I'm really into. It sounds cheesy, but astral travel. Like, it's I, not, I, you're, you're talking, you don't need to, you don't need to qualify it by saying it's cheesy. You're talking to me here. <laughs> so as a kid, I remember I have these, these things that I thought were dreams, but now as an adult, when I look at them from, from the memory aspect, I don't think I was dreaming. I think I was just out of my body, you right. know, just going places. And, uh, I had a few people tell me that when I sleep, I, I go far. Like I go places. Wow. Like other realms, whatever. I don't I don't know. Right. Because um, I have really vivid dreams. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people where like well, people will say, oh, you must have crazy dreams. I'm like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. So you have, I have really vivid dreams also. Like I dream all fucking night. Like I cannot remember when I wake up, I can't remember a fraction of it. it's really hard for me because it's just like every night I have these epic dreams, but I never dream about cool monsters or anything or creatures. Do you ever have any of those? Yeah, I've actually, um, I have, a, I, I, I do. Sometimes I dream of stuff, like I'm looking at stuff I've made and it's stuff I haven't made. You know what I mean? Oh, that's cool. And I've dreamt of stuff that I've made later. Oh, that's, wow. That's a trip. Which is trippy. <laughs> wow. I, the one time I had a, a, a weird monster in my, it was in an out-of-body I was, it was weird, man. It was totally like I was floating around, completely conscious and aware. Not like you're, you know, you, you when you go into that state, you know, you're, you're like, oh, this is not a regular dream. It's like lucid dreaming, but it's different. And mm-hmm. I was floating around and I was all of a sudden in this kind of dark underground, these dark underground caverns. And, huh. and there was like holes in the walls of this. It was like a long tunnel almost with different holes that you could go down and there was all these like arrows like electronic arrows going like like telling me to go down them and i was like no i don't think so but these big squishy blobby things like the size of it like an like imagine an elephant with no legs and no trunk but they were like brownish like tan colored and they were just look like kind of tumor tumor covered Whoa. With these heads way down low, I did it. There's a sculpture I did. Called, awesome. I, I hate that. 
<laughs> I, I did a sculpture. It's actually now that I haven't even this never didn't even occur to me just now. I did a sculpture called Lummox a while back, which is kind of this big underbite looking big big lummox yeah, yeah, type. Yeah, yeah, I think I saw. Yeah, the faces kind of look like that, and they had these. So they were like the size of elephants, but they were just like floating, floating by me and floating around, and it was just. It was so weird, and that was, but but they were like backlit, so I couldn't really get a good look at them. That was the closest thing I ever had to where I saw like a cool creature in a dream. Usually, it's, it's still pretty. That's pretty rad. Yeah, that was a, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone always asks me that. Do you have? Do you dream? Do you get your ideas from dreams? It's like, you know, when I normally when I have scary dreams or I have monsters in my dreams, they they look like something you'd see in a carnival. Like really bad, like in a haunted house in a carnival, yeah. like paper mache. Like mm-hmm. they still have the same terror connected to them. Like in the dream, they're really scary, and it's like they're real, but they look like they're made out of like paper mache, and they have seams. Like you know, <laughs> like really bad. Notice that but they, they're like kind of not put together well. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's what you're totally... afraid of. It's like, oh my god, it's so bad. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's creepy in a different way, <laughs> you know, because it's it's like that kind of creepy. I don't know. I guess it's that creepy you felt when you'd go into a, a fun a fun house, carnival fun house, and and everything would just be kind of fucked up and weird in there. So, um, I I started a drawing a couple of weeks ago, and my when I was drawing it, my intention was because I'm working on this book of weird things you see in the astral plane because I'm so obsessed with that right oh, now. Cool. Um, so I've got like a bunch of sketches and stuff. So I've been drawing more and more monsters lately. And this one was a monster. And it, the thing I was thinking about when I was drawing it was that this thing could, was basically feeding off of your, your, your energy. And it was a negative energy type thing, like mm-hmm. feeding off your fear or something like that. Yeah. That's what that's, and, I've got. I, I've got, that's in the dystopia project. That whole thing is that that I have car- creatures like that. In there. Really? Okay, so you know, I, I think these things really exist. Yep, I do too. Um, that night, um, I I was in that state of in between. Like I wasn't asleep, but I wasn't awake. It was in the in between state. What did you call it? Oh, the hyp- hypnagogic state. Hypnagogic. Okay, I didn't know. I'd never heard that term. That's before. the science. That's how science tries to explain it. Like your body's and, asleep, but your brain's still active. Yeah, I, I was I was having a bad dream about somebody chasing me, right. trying to kill me, or so it was like a, it was weird, um, and I felt really bad in the dream. And then I woke up in that hypnagogic state, mm-hmm. and I could see this thing above my bed, and it was translucent, and you could only see the outlines of it, and they were like kind of goldish colored, and it had all it had this thing coming off of its face like a long tube, and it was. In, in my, what do you wow. call the chakra? It was right. like right there. And I remember I wasn't afraid of it. I was more pissed that it was potentially fucking with my dreams, you know, and, and feeding off of the. So the, the tube egg. was the tube was right in the center of your chest. Yeah, right, right here, like just coming straight down, and I could see up the. T- it was. It, oh it was, my god, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> How did you come out of it? Do you remember? Uh, I just forced myself to wake up. Wow. I was like, oh, I got to get up. I got to wake up. And then, you know, just after about an hour of trying to come back, <laughs> went back to sleep. Wow. Yeah, I've got, I, I've got a, I got a good one. I don't know if I, if I've told you this before, but my first out of body thing I had 
I was like 12 years old, laying in bed, in that weird half asleep. Yeah, yeah, hypnagogic. that's where it all happens, man. Yeah, <laughs> in the hypnagogic state, and I felt a presence. That's the that's the weirdest part of those is you, is you feel a presence, yeah, even if you can't the, see them. It's like you know, yeah, it's like you just yeah. know it's there and you feel it big time. And mm-hmm. I felt a presence outside of my bedroom door, and I saw the light come on under my door, like the light go on. And then all of a sudden, this guy was standing next to my bed, and he was like a middle aged, heavy set guy in like jeans and a flannel and like a, a down vest, kind of like a truck. He looked kind of like a truck driver. But he was where his head was, he was holding a pillow by the corner, and the pillow was just covering his face. So he Whoa. just like had a pillow head and he just, <laughs> and he just kept hitting me with the pillow and like putting it back in front of his face and like hitting me, putting it back, hitting oh, me. Man. And I was just like, the terror was that crazy te- horror terror feeling oh, that you God, can get. And I was just like, I couldn't be 12. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I couldn't. And I, and I had the only thing is this voice in my head kept going. It can't hurt you. It can only scare you. It's just going to try and, and scare you. And, um, so it's like, I kind of knew that it couldn't hurt me, that it it was, it was trying to terrorize me basically. And I finally like, like was trying, I was trying to scream. I couldn't make any sound. And then I like wrenched myself out of it kind of, and, and I woke up. And as I woke up, I was looking where he was and it just totally did the, it was just like in the movies where it was all like, like wavy. (laughs) And then he just kind of disappeared. (laughs) But you know, I'm sure you were being harassed by some. According from from the magical perspective, those those things would be lower, like lower vibrational. Yeah, lower vibrational beings. And actually, the guy I'm learning uh, learning this from, he's he he's saying that that's actually that the astral. It's a it's it's been mis the terminology isn't correct. Like the astral is actually your imagination, and uh, the, that level of reality is called the etheric. It's the etheric, and he says that you know, it's it's like you're kind of not supposed to be floating around in the etheric realm because mm-hmm. there's just all kinds of weird shit there, like uh, the the. Um, and are the the these weird entities basically all over the place that are just like they're like lower than humans and and yeah yeah just tons and tons and they're kind of like the what did he call it the uh, the like the debris they're just like the, the the there's another word for debris that I'm not thinking of but they're just like this kind of like you know leftover to me it's like energy. I've, things it's it's like the cast off remnants of energy when people pass from this plane to the next that they can't take with them it's right. like the shit that they leave behind all the negative could be, energy yeah, all, could be to me that's what that seems like and there's probably other stuff too yeah that's a, that's what i think it yeah i think that's probably the case because i think that's that's what a lot of people think that or a lot of people that are into this stuff think that ghosts are actually just kind of like the shell yeah, the energetic shell. shell just kind of repeats. yeah, it's a cast off shell. It's like a similar to what the person was, but there's no soul there. It's just right. parts that are still active. For right, right. Reason. But there are some things that are aware that you are that you're there, and they're like looking at you. Yeah, coming they, they after you and trying to fuck with you. 
Yeah, I think that they they feed off of that fear and the that's, yeah the, the whatever pain they're inflicting on you. I, that's, that's the feeling yeah, I get, man. I mean, I I know a lot of people. I know a lot of. Have you seen that the nightmare that movie, The Nightmare? No. Uh-uh. Oh, you got to see it. You have to see it. It was on. All I don't, the movie recommendations I've got throughout the years have been excellent. <laughs> This is a documentary about, and basically they just interview people and kind of do reenact reenactments, and the reenactments are actually pretty good. They're they're not they're kind of impressionistic. So, so Where, is it like on on Netflix? It or was something? on. I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix. It might be. It was on Netflix forever, but um, it's called Netflix. The Nightmare, and it's basically just uh, interviewing people that have had these experiences that, that you're talking about, and the, and there's these you know common threads of pressure on the chest. Uh, yeah. Um uh people getting pushed, people getting you know, like in that weird half asleep state, dark, you know, shadow shadow people standing there yeah. and and the feeling of uh terror that you get. Um yeah. I'm going to see if it's on here real quick cuz you got to see it. You're going to trip out. No, you've been in that state like Oh, uh, it's not on here. You're going to have to rent it or something. I'll, I'll find it. Yeah, it's I'm sure it's on Amazon or something, whatever. Anyway, um, one really vivid memory I have of one of those that happened in San Diego a few years ago, I woke up in that state and everything looked like it was cast in moonlight, that silvery hmm. kind of mm-hmm. to it. It wasn't really color. It was more, more black and white. Right. And there were these, these black shapes like coming back and forth, like mm-hmm. all throughout the room. And at first I only saw one. And then I noticed lots of them like, just <laughs> all around me. <laughs> and then to the left or to the right of me, there was a hole in the wall and there was a white fire around the hole. Holy shit. <laughs> that was weird. And then when I started looking too close at the end, at the, the shapes, one of them stopped and started to come at me. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I was like, I think that's when I got out of it. I was like, I, I don't did you have the, did you have that terror feeling? No, it was no. Yeah, maybe I did. I can't remember. Yeah, I probably... that's crazy. I mean, that's like that's a good one. <laughs> I, 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 I have some weird stuff happening. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I mean, I think I think a lot of people have had weird stuff happen to them, but n- n- nobody talks about it because you get ridiculed. You know, we have people it. think it's crazy or yeah, but it also takes one, takes a couple experiences like that to to at least go. You know what? There's just more than we know about. That's all there is to it. He, you know. Yeah, here's one I'll share um, that I had. Okay. A couple years ago, that was it involved the death of one of my best friends. Whoa. Um. So my friend. Uh, Mike Biasi, he he was a sculptor. He was one of the guys I worked with. Mm-hmm. I loved the guy. He was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had he had something happen to him. He he basically had uh, he had he had a, a a blood vessel burst in his in his head. Oh, I think wow. it was stress, and I, I won't get into all that. But anyway, um, when he was in the hospital, I visited him, and uh, and he basically was in a coma. He couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. He, under or whatever and that night um i I was like oh my gosh she's gonna die and uh i was really really upset i was crying i don't really cry that much but i was bawling Mm -hmm. and um and then i decided i'm gonna send 
all of my positive energy to him and try to really boost him and make him feel, you know what I mean? I was trying to help him right, as much as I could. And um, I kind of went into like a weird breathing state. Um, I can't explain it. It's, it's weird. Uh, and, and I remember at that moment I was, I was in his body really? <laughs> like I was there as him. And I, and I felt I could feel like I was trying to take away his pain. I was trying to, you know, whatever I could do. And I could, I felt the dude's pain. <laughs> it was, wow. it was really intense. And at the time we, we didn't know exactly what had happened to him. And then I found out like days later that, and when I was, when I was in his body, I felt this thing like in, in my head, like, like something burst. Wow. And then later on I found out that he had a burst blood vessel in his head, but I found out, I felt it physically when I was doing this weird thing. That's crazy, man. That's intense. I don't, yeah, it, it's, it's strange. I mean, not crazy, crazy, more like, wow. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, not, I'm, I'm not saying you're crazy. I'm saying I'm using it as an expression of, wow. No, know, I, yeah, I understand. It's intense. That's amazing. Um, and then when I was there, one, one other thing that there was, I could sense that he wasn't like, he was still there, but like he was above it all. Like he wasn't right present in that state anymore. Right. And I could actually see like what I thought to be maybe his soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like this winged thing with colors and uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that, that can, that, that kind of stuff can, I, I guess, happen when you're in like extreme emotional states. So yeah. It seems, to really... open, it seems to open you up to, you know, sp- spiritual experiences. Yeah. You know? That's incredible. So how did you come back to yourself? Um, I think eventually I, I started to feel the pain and it was too much oh, for me. Wow. And it scared me. It scared me out. Like wow. I was like, oh, this is too painful. I don't. And then I had, I had basically pain for like a week. Are you serious? In my head. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody because I'm like, people think I'm freaking crazy. And now it's on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you some stories and then people think I'm crazy too. I've been thinking, <laughs> I've been talking so much about this stuff for, that I, I, I was thinking the other day, like I bet, I bet there people are into this. But I bet there's a lot of people that that really just think I'm crazy. I mean, I'm definitely not lying. So I I have to either be crazy or 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 I'm I'm telling my experience. You know, I I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't think any of that stuff is crazy. I think people experience things beyond what what like what you can what you can understand. Yeah, yeah. Like what's logically explainable because. We only live in one physical. We live in the physical reality, but I know that there are multiple realities beyond this one. There, yeah, there's. This is like, this is nothing in a way. I mean, not that it's nothing. It's. And we're only here for a short time, but I think we we definitely go on. Yeah, there's a great. You know, uh, I know you don't listen to podcasts a lot, but um, have you ever heard of Duncan Trussell? No. Okay, I'll send you a link because this guy he just he does these podcasts. He talks. They talk about you know spiritual stuff and, but um, 
there's an actor on there. This was maybe from a week ago, and this guy basically died, and he 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 went fully, totally died, and the the experience how he describes what it was like to die and basically go to this other realm is amazing. Wow, don't trip out. You got to hear it. It's really. <laughs> It's really amazing. It's really am the way he describes it is kind of like wow. It really kind of rings true too. Something about it just feels true, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've 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 heard things and yeah, yeah. That I'm like yeah, that that sounds right. Yeah. Like the intuition. Yeah. I think a lot of that stuff is just following your intuition and yeah, not putting sure. your logical mind behind it all. Right. Just trying to like oh that makes sense. Right. I can feel yeah, I've had I mean, I've had so many weird things happen to me that, that, that like, you know, the stuff you're saying to me, I like it. I'm like, it's it's fascinating and super interesting to me. That's why I'm all like ah, excited about it. But uh, I don't doubt it for a second. Like, I don't doubt anything you're saying for a second. It's like, yeah, I I mean, I I've I've had I remember I, I had I get these crazy synchronicities that happen that are just totally impossible I remember I was in an airport one time reading a magazine and I read, oh God, what was it? I, I, I wish I could remember the phrase because it was this totally weird phrase that you don't hear. It, mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't an expression. It was just a combination of, of a few words. And I was reading it. As I was reading it, the TV in my, I was reading in my head, the person on like the Today Show or something said said those words as I read them, like in un, in unison. It was so fucking weird. I just started laughing because <laughs> it was so absurd and like this that was absolutely impossible. There's no way that could happen. Um, but I but so I've had so many things like that, like yeah, just crazy synchronous things. Do you ever have like um, like you're like think of somebody or you know somebody's going to call you before they call you and you haven't like talked to them for oh, a while. Oh yeah. Long. Yeah. That, that's that's happened to me a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's just at this point there's a certain point in my life probably, I don't know, in my 20s I think where I was just like this is just the way things are. I've had, it happened so much <laughs> it's just like I accept it now, okay. <laughs> well, but, I think it's I think also being an artist that you're you're more open to Definitely. And more sensitive to things mm -hmm. beyond, you know, the physical. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a, uh, I'll tell you, just so you don't feel, just so people, some of the crazy can come on to me, I'll tell you a story. <laughs> I had, uh, I tell, my brother tells it in the, in the, my documentary, but I, I, I still remember it all. Like it was clear as day. I think it was around 12, 13. This is when things started happening. Weird things started happening to me. I don't, I don't think a lot of weird spiritual stuff happened to me until probably puberty or something. And, mm -hmm. um, I, uh, it was, it was the, it was, it was the night before Easter. Um, I remember that Easter Sunday and I, I, my family was not religious, you know, they were, my mom was very spiritual and had a kind of a Christian background, but she was more like a new ager, you know? We, it was, mm -hmm. you know, Jesus Christ Superstar was what I thought of as Jesus. You know, that was, <laughs> that was the, so, so we're, that's how Jesus was presented to me. It wasn't like an, a wrathful guy. It was like kind of a cool hippie guy. But, uh, uh, so, and, and all, and 
ghost sightings, weird shit happening all in every house we lived in with my mother and my sister. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big okay. time, all the time. It was just like part of regular life. But um, I had this dream that I was with my family. I was standing in this line, and there was a little a cross, a crucifix, like a silver-thin crucifix that was up like on a little you know, platform is probably like a couple feet tall and you had to go. And the idea was that you went to get nailed to this little miniature cross. Like you put your hands like, like this and get nailed (laughs) up to it. Uh And you had to sit there for 10 minutes. And if you sat there for 10 minutes with these little teeny nails through your hands, you would get saved. And so my family's like, you got to get saved. And I was like, I don't want to. And, you know, and then they made me go do it. And I went up there and I, and I got nailed up there. And it was like, oh, this hurts. And I was sitting there trying to wait for the 10 minutes. And then, like, after five minutes, I pulled one out because it hurt too much. And then I left the other one up for another five minutes. It's like thinking, oh, well, maybe if I put, leave one hand on the crucifix, I'll still get saved. <laughs> so uh, and so I was, you know, I woke up the next day. We had to. um I had plans with my friend had a, uh, an older kid in the neighborhood had just gotten his license and we were going to go driving, uh, in the, up in the Hills or whatever. And, um, I, uh, I was taking a shower, getting ready. And I was like, Oh, that was a weird dream. And I just looked at my hands just like, I don't know why I just was like, Oh, I'm going to look at my hands. And then I had two little, like little round, hard calluses. Like they were, they were not blisters. They were they were like a callus, but they were perfectly round. And the Whoa. one, the the one that was in the hand that I pulled out early was lighter, noticeably lighter. And the one that where I left it in was way more there. It, and it was really there. And I showed my after I got out, and I, it looks like I got shot with a BB gun on my on my hand when I was a kid. And I have oh. a little scar. It's like the BB shaped. It uh-huh. looked like that. It looked like that, but it was like a hard, like a hard piece of skin. I don't know how to describe it, like a wart wow. or something. And I told my mom about it, and my mom was into this stuff. You know, she thought it was cool. Like we all kind of thought this stuff was cool. And so she's like, "Oh, let me take a picture of it." So she took pictures of it, and I got, and I have a picture of, of I have one of the pictures, and of course, the pictures are all out of focus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can see my pants behind my hand and those are in focus and, and it's like okay there were no no iphone cameras <laughs> yeah, right it was like film 35 millimeter uh yeah, yeah. camera so um so so that was it and then they i remember uh i went with my friend me and these other kids i was like you know one of the younger kids and um um we got we were like off-roading you know, and I and we got stuck in the mud. And I remember all day I kept looking at my hands while we were waiting for someone to come and pull us out. And then the next day I woke up and they were totally gone. No trace, no trace that they were ever there at all. Well, and it absolutely happened, you know, and I don't there's just no explanation. I've for never that. heard a story of, of a dream affecting your physical body like that. That's yeah. Yeah, That's and a weird, crazy. weird religious thing on Easter. Yeah, and religious, and especially because you weren't super religious. Yeah. So it wasn't pounded into you or anything. Yeah, I know. Totally. <laughs> it was fully, it was so weird, though. I mean, it was, but it happened. It happened. Absolutely happened. I. It wasn't a blister. It wasn't from, like, rubbing. It was like a little callus. It was, it was, it was impossible. 
It's weird that it was there and then it wasn't. I know. That's another thing. It's like it was gone. My brother's actually, my brother tells a story in the documentary. And he's like, in a couple days later, it was gone. It's like, no, I remember so he it was witnessed it. So he, yeah, he saw it too. Yeah. He saw it. My so, mom saw it. Uh, my stepdad saw it, but the, he was wrong about that. He, it was gone the next day. I, Cause I remember it was like, it lasted for Easter only, you know, only Easter. Yep. Well, let's see that. <laughs> so now you don't have to feel so bad about people thinking you're crazy out here. Because that fucking happened to me, man. And you know, there, there's, it's, there's, there's so much shit. Mike, who used to be on, I used to host the podcast with. He had yeah. those kind of the, those dream, whatever you know, astral projections or out of bodies. He had, he talks about them on on some of the old episodes where he like fully was conscious and awake, and in, he he would have this. He said this spider would come out. He was a little, he was like young, young enough, I think maybe to be in a crib even. And he said yeah. this, this spider would come out of the closet and it would go up above his crib and then it would go down like it was going to land on him. And then as soon as it touched him, he would be like held by this winged creature and he'd be flying through space really fast oh, whoa, through the air. Cool. <laughs> yeah. He said it was terrifying though, I think. And then he would, and then it would, it would like drop him in some weird world, like this kind of hellscape with like, whoa. you know, you hear screams and he'd ha- go and find where the screams were coming from. And it was like this big medieval kind of torture chamber with all these body parts and just blood and really intense. That's, that's pretty intense. Yeah. So, I've dreamt of hell before or yeah. a place like it. You have, yeah. That was. What was it? Was a the floors were made of uh, skin, and in order to not be like there were demons all around and weird creatures, and it was you know fire and all that. It wasn't actually wasn't fire. It was mostly all made of flesh. Weird. It was it was pretty weird. And I remember you had to you had to sin while you were there in order not to get tortured. You had to do something bad to torture (laughs) others. Wow, that's kind of cool. I mean, as a concept, <laughs> as a concept, that's kind of a good idea, <laughs> like an interesting um, idea. When I was seven, that that Mike's dream reminds me of when I was seven. I had this dream where I was, I was in this place and I was flying and I was holding on to this giant worm. It was Whoa. huge, and everything was like kind of yellowy brown colored, and there was this really deep low tone like a, a deep bass note that just i can't do it wow. but it was like very low tone that was the whole time like i was there wow. like a low vibrational tone and i'm flying through the air and it was like fun i was, I was having fun. Wow. <laughs> it felt so real right and then a couple years later i remember the dune movie came out you know the the mm-hmm. the the one in the 80s or whatever yeah David and those worms look like the worm in my dream oh wow wow <laughs> It was it was cool. That's that was probably one of the be- one of the better dreams. Yeah, right. Wow, that's 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 interesting. I've had audio uh, things happen too um, in that state. I'll tell you one other one that is also in the documentary that's so good. I got to tell you, I was uh, I, I I was asleep in bed. I was like in my thirties at this point. I woke up <coughs> in the middle of the night. I, I was in that state mm-hmm. and I, I, what woke me up was knocking on my back door 
across the house. I heard like, okay. like really kind of frantic knocking. And, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden I hear these footsteps um, running in like little kids, like toddlers size, like all these little feet kind of coming towards <laughs> and they're coming and I, and I hear it. And while this is happening in my ears, I hear this like crackling of cellophane. That's what it sounded like. And it just like all of the air was like full of electricity or static electricity. Oh, like it wow. was thick with energy. And I hear these little uh, feet coming. And then I, and then they all start, they were laughing like little kids, like a two-year-old or three-year-old, like, like a group of these kids laughing. And, it, and they were coming towards the room and I was stuck and I couldn't move. And it was so, it was just like absolutely terrifying horror feeling of terror and then and i see them come in the room and they were invisible like you couldn't see them but i knew where they were it was almost like i always i equate it to the predator you know predator you kind of yeah yeah it was like that and around them yeah but it wasn't really it was like i there was actually no distortion but you still had the sense of their outlines in some way i can't explain it was weird it's like i knew it was there but i couldn't see it and they all came running around to my side of the bed and then they all, and then, and at that point I was, I, I was starting to go out of body. So my feet were up. I was at like a 45 degree angle. My head was stuck in my, in my physical your, head. I've, I've had those where you're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't do anything. And so they all ran around my side of the bed. And then all at the same time, they all stuck their hands in my head. And then Whoa. I felt this extreme pain in my head. It was like, really, I've never really felt pain in a, in a dream like that before or oh, whatever that state was. Wow. So it's just like, boom, they stuck it in my head and then excruciating pain. And then I was able to like kind of pull myself out of it because it hurt so bad. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, it was, it was probably that and the pillow guy were the two scariest ones I've ever had. But I've also had other ones where it's like the terror felt the same, but nothing, you know, I just knew there was a presence there, a guy and, 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 or some being, and, and it just felt like dread and it felt like evil. That's the other thing. It's like I, my mother brought me up very new agey, you know, uh-huh. like this idea that there's no evil. Evil's not a thing. It's more like, you know, human thinking is what creates evil. It's not actually a real thing. But I've had enough of these things that were like they felt evil, which yeah. it goes against my <clears throat> beliefs, kind of what I was raised. And, and that kind of shook me up a little bit, too. You know, yeah, the sense I, of evil. I, I, I totally believe like all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, you and I, we, we're kindred spirits in that sense. Right, sure. I know. It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff inspires me to, you know, to be an artist, to, mm-hmm. to do, because to, to, I don't like making, like as an artist, I don't like making things that, like I would never take a picture of you and draw it. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see, I want to make things that you can't see or have never seen before. Absolutely. That's, that's what interests me. Or, like, Same take here. something and, and show it to you in a way that you've never seen or never thought of. Or, right. Like, to me, like, I, I mean, I could never even do a portrait of somebody, I don't think. I mean, <laughs> but, but I have no interest in doing that. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I mean, I, I, I'm the same way. It's like, to me, it's, it's the, the, so a, a big part, a large part of the value is it's you're creating something that doesn't exist other than in your mind. In your mind, yeah. You know, 
thing out of your brain. And that's what I, that's what I really love. It, it took me a very long time. And I'm sure it, it, I mean, for any artist, it takes a long time to get those things that are in your head out on paper, the way that you see them in mm-hmm. your head. And yeah. to me, that's, that's where I get most of my gratification. Like when I make something, I'm like, Oh yes, that's what I saw in my head. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. I, so I like, I mean, sometimes I like to do stuff to where I have just a basic idea and then I, I just kind of follow the painting and let it become. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, which, yeah. I have that too. Which is also kind of like, it, it, it's, it's, it's weird because you know, what is that? Where's that? Where'd it come know? from? You're yeah. Not, that's you're like, not even thinking about it. It's yeah. weird. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Like the, there's the where I'm just going to draw something and I don't, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to let it happen. Right. So those are the craziest things. I know. I know. It's super cosmic and weird. Um, usually it's my subconscious throwing up all that out and I'm not even aware of it. Right. Or, or yeah. Or, or, like I've heard people say that it's uh it's basically like almost like an entity that sort of takes over or, or like, an energy the, coming through you. Kind yeah. Of. The energy of, of whatever kind of inspires people. And then they just do these things and they're not even aware. Right. Which is cool and scary. At the same <laughs> time. <laughs> Al, you know, Alex Gray, the artist, Alex Gray. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm very familiar with his work. I he, love his work. He, he was cool enough. Such a great person. He's a really, really amazing person. Great artist, of course, but he, um, Gave me the the biggest compliment during the in, in, the interview for the doc, my documentary. He said, he said Chet's paintings feel something. It's I'm paraphrasing. They feel like that they're uh, they're beings that want. Oh, I'm gonna fuck it up. He said it so perfectly. <laughs> it was like they're, they're they feel like they are beings that. N- that, that are manifesting themselves because they need to be seen at this time. Oh, okay. You know? And yeah. I was like, not only was, you know, one of my, one of my art heroes to say something like that about you. So amazing. It was also like, wow, I've never even really thought of it like that. It's such a cool way to think about it. You know, like for some reason at this time, these things need to be seen. I don't know why, but <laughs> it's a cool idea. Well, that makes, that makes actually makes a lot of sense. Because a lot of people are afraid to face their own internal demons, right? You know what I mean. And I think a lot of like, a lot, I mean, at least what I make, a lot of times they're they're my own internal mm-hmm. things that I struggle with, For you know, sure. in a metaphorical way. Yeah. But I mean, like, like that um, a recent show that you did with all the, um, you had like, I want to say like a principal or a lawyer. Or you had these like, oh yeah, yeah, the priest and the yeah, and the yeah, businessman. Like, all those, yeah, like those villains, those are villains. Like, villains, yes. Like those things that, that you know, all of us kind of yeah. we know about and there are villains in, in everyday life. Yeah, priests. Yeah, I've I've totally seen priests. Not all of them. Yeah, of course. There's some super evil ones out yeah. there. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well we all I mean, if you're a human you share that. That's the thing. If you know, if you if you take the magical perspective which is basically reality is one thing and the and the and the and the the idea that we're individuals is a an illusion created by our brains yeah, rea- yeah. Re- reality is it's one big organism 
and we're all yeah like humankind is all one big we all share we're right. all one in a way yeah and uh, everything in reality and in two because we're all made of the same raw yeah. material really you know yeah so you're the same as a rock and molecules in the air and yeah you know. yeah that makes a lot of sense and i believe that when you die you go back to the source yeah and we all share we're all together i agree i think so too yeah you gotta I think hear I, one, of your, one of your interviews with recent ones uh, i heard you talk about uh the some of the eastern stuff mm-hmm uh, what was some of the books that you recommended from that? I can't remember. Um, I don't remember which interview you're talking about. Oh, man. It was the one with the, the amazing tattoo artist who paints. Um, it was a recent one um, whose name is totally failing me right now. Hmm. Works for a, a high-end kind of tattoo place. Uh, oh, Mikey? Mikey Carrasco? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you, you recommended... Uh, you talk about some of the books that you write, or maybe it was—I don't know. I mean, uh, the, the the goat. My go-to Eastern book is the Tao Te Ching. That's it. Yes, the Tao Te Ching. You, yes. You read that? No. Oh, it's really the, good. It's cl- I've read the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Oh, okay. That's a really good one. Yeah. I like the, the Tao Te Ching is great because it's like just little little phrases, like basically. Uh, you know, it's like the it's all that sound of one hand clapping kind of shit. Oh, okay. But but okay. it's 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 not like that's more like Confucius stuff. But this is more like they call it the the Tao. They basically God, what we would call God in our culture. It's they call mm-hmm. it, they call it the Tao, and it's the basically the great spirit of everything. And you know, things like it says there'll be quotes like you know. Um, the Tao, if the, the Tao that can be talked about is not the real Tao, it's like you have to, you can't even talk about it because once you put words to describe it, it's you, you, you missed, you missed the you, mark. You missed the point. Yeah, like I think their the belief system there is that you can't. It, God, God is incomprehensible. You yeah, can't, absolutely you can't rationalize or understand. Right. So you have to kind of you is. have to talk around it in order to try and get a little inkling of what it might be. Yeah. Yeah, it's I need weird. To read that. It's almost like looking at something through the corner of your eye. You can't look at it straight on, but you can see it if you let yourself look at it through your peripheral vision. You can kind of see it a little bit. It's yeah. kind of like that, but it's great. It's full of all kinds of wisdom, and it's you know. The... I love stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I was raised um, more Christian, uh-huh. all that, but as I've gotten older, I've been exposed or exposed myself to more, more other Eastern religions, and mm-hmm. I find that stuff like. It really, I really identify with a lot, mm-hmm. especially like the whole reincarnation and yep. like that, all that kind of stuff. Well, this has really turned into a spiritual. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting that at all, <laughs> but I'm glad. I love it when I love it when the shows go this direction. I mean, this is like it's like I feel I don't feel qualified to really talk about this stuff, so I never make I never. Uh, I don't either. I never intentionally make, you know, we've done a couple shows like this in the past with Mike, Mike and I talking about this stuff, but looking back in it, just having learned so much from these classes I've been taking, it's like, it's made me realize like, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but so, so now I'm, I'm more like, I'm open to whatever comes up, but I don't intentionally now try and 
talk about this stuff because I don't really feel qualified, but I can, I can always talk about my experiences because they're real, you know, and my understanding of them. But I love it when the, when the show goes in this direction, these are my favorite ones to do. They're so much (laughs) more Um, interesting to me. (laughs) The, so when I was reading the, the Tibetan book of living and dying, they talk about this this concept of the bardos. Right. You ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and tra- traversing the bardos and all that. And a lot of that stuff struck home to me in a way that I can't put into words. Uh, yeah. Like, like, wow, I've done this or I've been there. Right, but, right. But I, it, it was it, it was really, I guess you would say a religious experience in a way. I mean, mm. in in a way that I've never had it. You know, have having to go to church and all right, that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta go where you find it. You know, where it touches you naturally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and even like there was a there was some stuff about like how you bring children into the world. Like it's the male who who actually does it. Like during conception, which is really weird. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, but they're, they're the ones who basically usher the soul in, uh-huh. which was like, whoa, that's, that's just trippy. Um, right. But I can see that with my own children. Mm-hmm. Like I can see. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah I know. It's it's hard to hard to hard to talk about that. Right. <laughs> hard to quantify what I mean. But have anyway. you seen that movie Enter the Void? Yes, you recommended that to me years ago, and that's, I watched it, and it blew my fucking mind. <laughs> that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that guy going through the the Bardos or whatever. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. What the, he goes through that whole. Yeah, that's what the that movie is a trip. Yeah, that's a really in a good way. Yeah, I never it, want to be on drugs watching that movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't need to be because it's it's basically be. like doing DMT or something. That that uh, that movie. It's really pretty amazing. Yeah, you told me about that one at a show. Uh. <laughs> we were having a conversation. Oh, you got to see this movie, and I went and got it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I think we, we we used to watch movies at work, uh. <laughs> and I watched it with a with all my coworkers <laughs> during lunch. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> they were all like, "What?" We were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's that's another one I got to see again. Um, yeah, actually, I bought the director's cut. That's how much I like that movie. Wow, wow. I haven't seen that. That one's movie. even, like, more crazy. Well, it's it, it's a little too much, the sexual stuff, but it's still... Like, really? <laughs> yeah, it's I, a little uncomfortable if you're watching it with, like, a bunch of people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember the part, the version I saw, which I think was the regular cut. It's like they go through, like, that sex hotel. There's people, like, fucking... Oh, yeah, like, yeah. There's light coming on where they're... Yeah, like yeah. Penetration yeah. is happening. There's like a light. It's like I don't know yeah, how yeah. the hell they did that. It's and the of... giant, it has the giant penis, right? But... Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That <laughs> forgot Where about that. They show that. a close up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro or whatever. <laughs> that, yeah, that was that was a, that's a crazy movie, man. Totally, it's definitely it's a must see though. Yeah, yeah. It kind of it is. It's pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, shit, uh, we're getting to like up up to two hours here. Um, okay, I want, but you know, let, let's come, let's 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 go out a little bit, bring it back down to earth a little bit before we yeah. before we leave and tell me. I mean, what what have you been? What are you doing now? What are you doing now um, since moving to Ohio? You, you left the 
you left the Halloween place, right? And um, um, well, I'm you... actually still working in Halloween. Oh, you are? Yeah, I work. I work from home uh, for a company doing concept designs now. Oh no way! Uh, so you get to work from home and you're still doing Halloween. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I love it. Um, it's it's uh, basically I'm responsible for um, the boys' costumes. Uh huh. Um, and at first, I, for a long time, I was like, oh, this is you know, this is not you know that cool, but. But over time, I've come to kind of embrace it because it's it's something that like as when I was a kid, you know, to be able to get a Halloween costume and be somebody else for a night, you know, there's there's a magic there that oh yeah can't like it's it's magical when you're yeah. a kid. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. It's like how amazing is that? Is you're you're able to? I mean, that's some of the most significant times of my childhood were Halloween. Yeah, mine too. Getting like, a costume you know, and dressing up. Costume and be on your own and get candy. I mean, it's like, that's like a kid's dream. You yeah. Know? And being able to create that, that to me, again, that's, you know, that's better than yeah, working on so movies. Like, <laughs> I, I sort of, I work indirectly for Target. So like all the non-licensed costumes mm-hmm. that they had this year at Target, those were all my designs. No way. Costumes. So that's there's I'm really proud of that. All I mean, the, really, yeah, all the non-licensed stuff is the good shit. Fuck the yeah. licensed stuff. <laughs> yeah, so like I get to do knights and monsters and ghouls oh, and ghosts cool. and tons of ninjas and yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. So you're designing them? Yeah, so and... I do I do the concept designs and then there's a team that sculpts it in so, China. <clears throat> so how so are I'm you China a couple times a year or I used to. Are you serious? Yeah, I was in China in January, actually. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I was in China. I was sick the whole time I was there. Are you serious? That I wasn't. I didn't have the virus. Or right. Whatever. Oh my god! Uh, Talk about dodging a bullet. Yeah, if I had been there like another week, I, I, it might have been really hard for me to leave. Oh like my I would be not able to leave the country for a while. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> so okay, how are you? How are you? Um submitting your design what what are you are you designing in clay or on the computer or what no well i do a combination of things um so mostly it all starts with paper and pencil Mm -hmm. um and then uh, then i take it into photoshop and then i'll render it or whatever and then a lot of times what happens is uh, a lot of the costumes i do require art Mm. meaning I'll do a design and it's like a monster and he's got like a ribcage chest and we're not going to do the sculpts but we have to do the art right and I'll take, they'll send me the flat patterns and then I take that into ZBrush and then I'll digitally sculpt all the detail in there and then basically send them the files and then they print it out with all the, the ZBrush art on it. So no it's, way. It's, I get to sculpt and draw and color. That sounds super fun, man. <laughs> it is. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and the team I work with is really cool. Um, like... So uh, one of the guys I work with, he's got like a mass collection um, dating back to, you know, the Don Post stuff. Like the oh, old wow. Stuff. He's like really into masks. And that's to me, that's really great because that's like the core of like he's not just a business guy. He's right. really Halloween. So that's, that's amazing. That's really cool. What a great position to be in. Yeah. And then on the side, I still do sculpting. Right. You know, your own stuff. I still do my own stuff. I did a Kickstarter a little while back. Well, you you got the Dice Tower, right? Yep, I got the Dice Tower. It's amazing. That big Bixinski-inspired piece. Yeah, and it's awesome. did a 
I did a Kickstarter recently, about a year ago. I did a Kickstarter for a Giger-inspired miniature terrain. Did you, did you know oh, about no. that? I don't. I don't know. So I'm sure if I would have known about it, I would have donated. So maybe I didn't, or maybe I did donate. I don't even remember. I don't. I, I may not have told you. I should have told you. Yeah, you should always tell me when you do the Kickstarter, <laughs> man. I'll definitely promote yeah, it for I you. I'll send you some images. So it's basically I'm I'm into gaming. I play D and D on Sundays and stuff. Oh, cool. Um. I'm a, I'm a big geek and my dream miniature terrain. Cause there's like uh, there's lots of terrain for, yeah. for, for gaming. So I made this um, Giger inspired terrain that, that basically looks like you're on, you're on the, the alien ship from the derelict ship. Ah, oh, that's so cool. Um, so yeah, I did that. Oh, that's how that's, that's your connection to get them produced is China. Cause you know, people in China. Well, yeah, initially when I ran it, I was going to do, uh, I was trying to get it done in China. I had the the factories and all that like lined up and was going to do it, and I got quotes and yada yada yada. But I needed to raise seventy five thousand dollars, right? And I only raised like twenty five, uh, and I tried it twice. So then people found out that I actually did them digitally because I sculpted everything in ZBrush, mm-hmm. and then they were like, "Why don't you just offer the files?" And I'm like, "Really?" And apparently there's like a huge thing of people who will buy your files, meaning really? your three SLA files or STL files. Interesting. So there's like a there's like a pretty big following of people because the, the prosumer printers, 3D printers have come a long way. Oh yeah. Interesting. And and they've they're pretty decent. I mean, you can buy one for four to you know, under four hundred dollars. You can get a pretty decent printer. So people will buy them and print them out. So I ended up doing another Kickstarter of just the files. Wow. And the great thing about that is like there's nothing for me to ship physically. It's just digital files. That's great. So the so there wasn't all this crazy stuff like for the dice tower I had to, you know, I had that produced in China, I had to yeah. ship. There's a lot of parts that have to go right. Right. But for that it was just like, you know, just do it. That's excellent. That's a great idea. I could see a whole career coming yeah, from that. Yeah, if I were really into doing that, which I kind of am, but <laughs> I, I kind of bounce around. Yeah. I can't stay focused that long on one thing because I get bored. I'm sure you 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 know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so now I'm working on another game idea, but it all takes place in the astral realm. The circle cool. back. Excellent. So, and a lot of it's influenced by my dreams and all the crap that we've been talking about. That's great, man. How amazing. Um, yeah. So eventually I'll finish that. But it's uh, so far it's been three, four years. Right. Of, of slowly working on that. Right. Wow. I, I feel like this this episode is it was a meant to be episode because you just like hit me up <laughs> randomly you're like hey we're still gonna do that because i i totally forgot about talking to you about it just because everything's it's been crazy and i and i just oh, i know i, 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 I forgot about it for about a week yeah i didn't <laughs> and i didn't have anyone really lined up i mean i kind of you know i've got a list of people but i just hadn't had a chance to ask anybody and so oh yeah you kind of so came much. in at the last right in just you know just this morning right yeah yeah I, was like, <laughs> I, should, I should email him it's like oh or text him boom. And see what's I was kind of waiting too. Sometimes I wait for like something like that to happen. 
and, oh, cool. you know, and it's like, oh, okay, you just have to wait and it'll come to you. Yeah, it was I'm, a lot of fun, man. Yeah, super. I really, I appreciate you talking about all this stuff too. I know it's not easy, um, but I think that's important for people to talk about this stuff, really, because most people don't, and I don't talk about it normally. I wouldn't talk about it to anybody like on the street. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't, or my family. I don't really, other than my wife, who you know, I tell all this stuff too. But right, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's good. It's good. People need to talk about it. It's it's important. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Really, really fun, interesting episode. Can't wait to post it. It's been a good <laughs> run, man. These last four or five podcasts have been just solid. So so good. Anyway, yeah, I need to go back and listen to um, Steve Wayne. You're you're gonna be episode 156. So you have a lot. There's Brom, we interviewed Brom, you know, the artist Brom. Yeah. He, I mean, we've had Paul Booth, we've had all kinds of big, really big, big names on. So, yeah, yeah, wow. You got to go through (laughs) to be a part of that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm just saying to listen to. (laughs) You'll like, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to, I want to hear Paul Komoda's. um, Yeah, Paul's, you got to hear his last one, the part two one he just recorded. So, we're talking about this crazy stuff, basically. You know, cool. Yeah, you'll love yeah, he's got, it. He's got like stuff. He he, he hung out with Giger. Well, I guess so. I know. I know. And I'm like I, I'm like Giger. Yay! You know. <laughs> I know. So jealous. Everybody's jealous of him for knowing Giger. <laughs> yeah. He talks about it in the part one episode, actually. Yeah, I got I got to listen to that. Yeah, listen to both parts. <coughs> anyway, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Um, thank you. Thank you, audience, for listening. We appreciate you listening and sharing this podcast. Um, f- please share, like, review, all that stuff. We're still – I just just the other day, someone on Facebook who's been – she's she goes, you have a podcast? I posted Steve Wang's the podcast. I've been friends with you on here for three years. I had no idea you had a podcast. So it's like this is very – still a word of mouth kind of thing. So if you can – if you uh, – feel like you sharing it yes too I mean, yeah it's wow. it's it's crazy it's like this completely grassroots underground thing but I, I i think the more people that hear it the better it will be for getting guests on everything for for the popularity of you know talking about this weird stuff talking about dark art and you know it's important so please please share please like please rate all that business if you want to join the 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 patreon it's patreon.com slash dark art society and that uh keeps us making this podcast getting that income in to pay for everything and uh that's it so jason it was incredible talking to you thank you again i loved it thanks awesome. yeah it was so fun man thank you excellent so say goodbye say goodbye to everybody goodbye adios adios <laughs> Everybody stay safe. <laughs> That's right. Stay safe, people. Six feet. <laughs> <laughs> stay stay in your door stay in stay indoors, please. Yeah. <laughs>